This episode is supported by Dove. Over half of the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, which causes them to opt out of important life activities and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. Dove has created and uses educational, evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these printable resources to help increase self-esteem in young people at dove.ca slash self-esteem. But Alex, yeah, Shane. let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 84. And this is a very special episode. You might hear some birds chirping in Lots the background. Lots of birds chirping. Why do you think they're hearing birds chirping, Alex? It might be because we are doing this outside, first backyard session ever. Probably the latest we've ever started a podcast. Oh my gosh. We've only done one other one outside, and the last time we did this was over a year ago. It was. It it was in the freezing cold right before quarantine. Yes. And at one of our favorite... At the Drake Motor Inn. Yeah, vacation spots. But uh, yeah, not much has changed since since then. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have a great episode. You know, aside from the birds, we have a lot of information coming at you. It is going to be so fascinating. It was fascinating to record. First up, we have Abby Medcalf. She is a relationship therapist, and we kind of talk about the entire gamut. I mean, creating good relationships, fostering happiness. And one of my favorite things from that conversation was how competition takes root in a relationship and how to get away from that even if you don't think you have competition in your relationship you might and next up we have amanda jusen who is from the slumber party podcast and she is a sleep therapist out of toronto but we talked to her about very specific problems we're having right now which are going from the crib to the bed or whether we should at all and then having our kids share a room if it's possible when to do it and you know the pros and cons kind of associated with it yeah this was definitely a selfish guest pick because (laughs) this was something going on in our lives and we're like hey why don't we just get some free advice so if you're going through something similar this might be one to listen to and if not skip it heck yeah but shaney boy cheers my love all right so tonight for our outdoor podcast cheersies okay yeah what are we drinking here all right so we are doing Seedlip Garden 108 and Watermelon Seltzer. So we made a drink a while ago. Like we took the time, the kids weren't a problem. We had more time in the day. And it was like an overnight watermelon sour that we did like from scratch. And it was so beautiful. So this is like the quickie way of doing that. What do you think? Well, you, you tell me what you think. Oh, I think it's freaking delicious. Although... I think next time I do this, I just want to go full bore and do the homemade watermelon sour. Yeah, I like it, but I do think it needs a full boreness to it. <laughs> Not enough bore in this. Not enough bore. Yeah. No, I liked the, because uh, the watermelon sour, we like, what is it called? Oh, we fermented essentially overnight a watermelon in apple cider vinegar with like citrus and it was crazy delicious yeah definitely and i love all the effort you put into these drinks by the way and i do appreciate it and i realize i do nothing so cheers to you (laughs) cheers baby thank you but okay should we get into the opening segment yeah you know what i'm wearing a scarf and i don't need it it's It's not even yeah it's cumbersome and it's not that cold out you can hear like the spring birds chirping outside (laughs) it's definitely not cold they're they're quite annoying i'm actually regretting recording out here in the back because we do have uh 
some trees around. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't really have any topics right now. So we're going to have to... <laughs> We're going to have to make some conversation here. What do you think? That's fine with me. I made, hold on. I want to toot my horn tonight, and I want you to help me toot it. Shane. <laughs> You've never needed help tooting before, Alex. I made the world's best brownies tonight, didn't I? Well, it was a, it was a brownie mix. Okay, it was a brownie mix that required a lot of effort A lot on of my effort. End. Your assistant was two years old and did a very competent job. I don't think it required that much effort. My assistant did a competent job. Sorry, she cracked an egg with her bare hand and let all of the yolk and the casings. What do you call an egg casing? The a shell. shell. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think casing is like sausage casing. <laughs> and she let all of the yolk and the shell drip from her hand into the brownie bowl. And then I had to spend 20 minutes fishing out every last piece. Did you get any shell in any of your brownie bites? I don't think so. But why not just use another egg? Because it was already in the bowl. Hmm. Here was the mistake I made. I didn't have her crack it in a separate bowl, which you should do anyway, even if you're a pro cracker. You'd do it in a different bowl, put it in the big bowl. Who would think you wouldn't be able to trust a two-year-old with uh, cracking an egg? Well, she is almost three. Touche. Anyhow, aside from that whole mess, I had to, one thing, I don't have um, an electric whisk or even a whisk for that matter. I just have forks. Mm. And it asks you to whisk the eggs before you put in any of the other stuff. Is that a whisk you're willing to take? <laughs> yeah, I saw, wait, I saw a whisk on our island there. Yeah, it's not, um, a, it's like a weird whisk. It's not for this. It's like for something else. <laughs> <laughs> Badminton whisk. No, but so I had to whisk the eggs. It asks you for three minutes. Shane, do you know how, ex and it says, sorry, it says whisk the eggs vigorously for three minutes. Do you know how difficult that is? No, I haven't whisked in forever. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to be jacked tomorrow in my right arm from that three minute whisk. So that was really hard. And I'm just saying every little effort that you need to put in the amount of butter that was in those brownies too, two and a half full sticks, they were amazing. This is what you get when Shane comes in with no topics. So, you know, I hope everyone appreciates the previous episodes. No, but I, I do want to say, like, we're not sponsored or anything by the people we got the brownie mix from. It's Zoe Ford Montreal. So it's this caterer outside of Montreal, and you could order online. That is a noisy this bird. This bird sucks. I, You know, we, we, we tried to do something different, and th these birds are just ruining us. But I think it's going to get late, and birds don't stay up that late, do they? I don't think so. You don't hear them at night. You only yeah. hear them in the day. Because right? it's always like an early bird. Like, I guess you hear like night owl, but owls, I don't, you know, let's just, yeah, let's continue. Okay. So why didn't you move the dead squirrel in the front of our house today when I asked you to? I'm not going to pick up a dead squirrel. What do I do with it? Bury it. Throw it over the mountain. We live on the side of a mountain. You could throw it over. You saw how I react to spiders. I'm even worse with dead squirrels. The thing is, it's sitting there. It got hit by a car, I guess. It's sitting there out front of our house on its back. And I pulled over beside it today. I don't think it got hit by a car. Well, then how else would it just be in the middle of the road dead? Pow a power line. It, it was probably crawling on a power line. Aww. And then got st struck by the electricity. Or the, it probably bit through the wire and then hit its head and died. Because when a squirrel gets hit by a car, it gets flattened. Yeah, this guy was not flat. He was in good shape. Yeah. And it was so sad. So, like, I was, I gave him a really good look. I got pretty close. And his little mouth was open. His little tongue was hanging to the one side. And it really made me sad. And that's why I called you. I was like, first of all, I don't want the girls to see this. Second of all, this poor guy needs a proper send-off, whether it's a burial in the backyard or a toss over the cliff. So, I, I would appreciate if maybe we did that tomorrow, as in you, because I don't want to go near the dead squirrel. 
I say just wait for the city to take it. We're not outside. He's going to get squished by a car. Who cares? It's a dead squirrel. Yeah, but you want to see the guts? First thing in the morning, you take your coffee out. Oh, what a lovely day. You see guts? <laughs> get out of here. I don't. Get out of here. Let's move on here. <laughs> Mother's Day is coming up. Mother's Day is coming up. Now, now what, are you, what are you expecting here? Like, how much for the fellas listening here? And I know, I know our... Our male audience is just through the roof on this podcast. But we do have a shocking amount of male listeners. I know. It's it's at least over 10. It's under 50, <laughs> over 10. But for the the few, the handful of men listening right now, uh, how much should you spend on a woman on Mother's Day? It's not about the spending. It is about the effort. And every single woman listening, 98% of women listening will echo me on that. It is about the effort. Do not have them get up with the kids. Do not have them make the coffee. Neither... You do neither of those things any well, I guess I get up with the kids. What are you talking about? I'm just saying on Mother's Day, like for your partner or your wife or your girlfriend, whatever, you know, wake up early so that when the kids are up, you're there to get them out. Make the coffee. Do something nice for breakfast. If you're a good cook, whip up something beautiful. If you're not a good cook, order something awesome. Start off the day right. And you got to start it off so it's like a punch in the face so it's not like the mom or like, you know, is waiting around being like, oh, I wonder when somebody's going to say Happy Mother's Day. Like, give it to them right away so that they just start off their day on the best foot possible. And then flowers are always a beautiful touch. Oh, I hate flowers I so know much. you do. I know you do. See, Why? Because ordering flowers is so annoying. Any big holiday, it's the, the prices are jacked like eight times what they should be that's true it's every place is just taking advantage of all these people who you know they can't think of anything else so it's like oh let's get flowers Mm -hmm. and then it's if you think of it even a week before it's too late okay so my parents have a ton of tulips in their backyard i suggest you guys snip a tulip and then when we have breakfast like sneak into the backyard snip a tulip and then when we're having breakfast on mother's day just put it in a little vase just a single tulip will look beautiful you're talking to our listeners i'm talking to you you want me to go to your parents backyard and snip a tulip yeah they won't care just say it's for me okay fine but okay let's say i don't get you flowers Mm -hmm. how much money is reasonable to spend on you for mother's day what's too much what's too little again it has to do with the effort i think if you're if you are going to go out of your way to like do super amazing things to okay the the mother i'll give you a scenario here i wake up i make you coffee as i always do Mm -hmm. so that's not special i play with the kids in the morning as i always do while you're sleeping for your (laughs) princess two hours two extra hours in the morning you come you stumble down the stairs at what (laughs) noon stumble well, what, what do you walk downstairs at noon usually? Get out of here, eight thirty. No, nine usually. Let's split the usually. difference and say eight forty-five because okay, plenty of times you come down at nine. Sure. And I give you an Eggo waffle. Okay. So that's kind of the average thing that would happen. So, to make it special, how much money do I need to spend on you? Well, what else are you doing for me during the day? What I'm Mother's saying day is, activity? I don't know. I don't. I have no idea how to make someone's day special. <laughs> I, you know, just special food, special snacks around every corner, uh, a card. How much early in money the is am I supposed to spend? Just answer the question. I don't know. Spend a hundred dollars on me. Hundred bucks, Alan? <laughs> no, I'm mad at that. Why? Because you're worth two hundred, baby. <laughs> you're worth you're worth three hundred. I might spend I might spend upwards of four hundred on you. Hold on, don't say you already got me a gift. 
What, what do you did mean? you? I, you told me you're like we were doing emails the other day, and you go, "Oh, Alex, don't look over here because uh, it's confirmation." First of all, for first of all, I know you. what you're doing right now. What? You're playing dumb. What do you mean? You're playing dumb. You know what the gift is. I don't. You 100 percent know what it is. I don't. You and I know you're not superstitious at all. I know you don't give an S about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you? If you had, let, let's say you had to give your best guess. Yeah. And my life depended on it. Mm-hmm. And if you were wrong, I perish. <laughs> I perish. And like a sumo wrestler sits on my face <laughs> and I just die the worst death possible. So let's say that happens if you're wrong. So you have to give your best guess as okay. to what I got you for Mother's Day. And I will tell you. No, I don't, want, I don't want you to tell me. Fine, I, don't I won't know. tell you if you're right. I want to be right. surprised. I won't tell you if you're right. But okay. Let's play a game. So right now you're going to guess. And then next week I'll tell people if you're right. Okay. So my guess, because on Christmas and my birthday, you stuck with the same brand as a gift, and I really loved it. It's such a hit. And I do similar things for you. Like, if I find a brand you like, I start buying you things from that brand for every occasion. Because, like, we're old. We know what we like. So my best guess would be that you got me something from Sleeper, but I have no idea. Like, I honestly have no idea. Yeah. And if you were to give your best guess, what color would you say the thing was? I said something to you earlier in the week about the purpley lavender Yeah, you're color. dropping hints like an effing no, I- obvious <laughs> person. You're telegraphing me the message. Speaking, of, of course you got the stupid thing. Shut up. Yeah, you got it, okay? Yeah, I lied. I am telling you. You got it. I didn't want you to tell Yeah, me. you did. You were smiling like ear to ear. The, se- well, the second I said the amount I spent, you like lit up <laughs> like, like you knew. And I shouldn't have said that. That was the tell. <laughs> Shane, I never saw any email. I didn't know. I, know, I, I bet you, I, I don't know whether you did or not. I didn't. I'm but all you. I know is when I told you how much I was going to spend on you, <laughs> your eyes lit up and that confirmed what you already suspected. And I'm an idiot. Yeah. So there you go. Happy effing Mother's Day and enjoy your ego and your coffee. No, oh, I love you, baby. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but you better be down those stairs at 830 a.m. No, Mother's Day I might sleep in, like, you know. Okay. And there might not be a dress there, too. <laughs> Okay, wait. Do I get a massage, full body massage on Mother's Day? You get the dress. And (laughs) anything above that is a bonus, okay? You get the dress. Sleeper.com. Look at these dresses, fellas, and then you tell me if she gets a massage. (laughs) Just look at the price section. (laughs) I'm the one who expects the massage. I appreciate it. Do I get a massage? You got a massage last night. Okay, so did you. Okay. <laughs> okay, what's another topic? Uh, birds tweeting, this, that. Uh, Mother's Day. I'm so excited for Mother's Day, by the way. And I must no say, S. and I, I got to ask you, too. Since becoming a mom. Wait, wait, sorry. Just to back it up. Which version of the dress do you think you got? I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. So there you go. There's something that can be a... You know, a surprise. Yeah, I got you the one that's the same one that I got you last time. The one that's any size. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it so much. That's going to be awesome, babe. <laughs> okay, continue. Sorry, um, what were you saying? <laughs> You're a dink. How am I dink? You're so funny. Just, why can neither one of us keep secrets when it comes to presents? Because... I told you your entire birthday No, present. here's the thing. I was fully prepared to keep that secret to Mother's Day. However, your smile ear to ear telegraphed to me what you already knew. <laughs> I didn't know it. You did know. Well, I, I, I could tell. I, guess. I, I could tell by your body language and the way you acted that you knew. <laughs> okay, I will say it. Okay, 
I want to ask you if you feel the same. Mother's Day, since having children, has become, like, I've only had two in my life, but I think I love them more than I love birthday even because it is like you feel like it's so deserved like you know how if you eat super healthy and you work out and everything like that all week and then it's like that friday pizza man like it just feels so good this feels so deserved what have you been doing with the pizza man <laughs> friday night pizza man what what's going on i thought he just dropped it on the porch and left what's oh, been get out of seriously here. oh you mean Oh, that Friday night pizza. Comma. Man, that, oh, I see. Okay. That makes more sense. So I feel like Mother's Day is like that. It's like you're doing so much work day in, day out, and then Mother's Day, and it's just, it feels so deserved, and you can really kind of not feel guilty about things. And I just, I really love all the sucking up to you that you get. You know what I mean? So I'm, I wanted to know, because you've had two Father's Days now. Yeah, and we can talk through some sirens. <laughs> hey, nothing's more annoying than that bird. <laughs> but I was curious if you feel the same about Father's Day. If it feels like even better than your birthday, like just that super deserved, awesome, unique day. No, Father's Day doesn't feel the same. Any dad will tell you that. Moms are number one. Well, that makes me feel offended because I work to make sure, like last year, I really feel like I tried to make your Father's Day good. What'd you do again? In quarantine. I don't know. I just got all your favorite stuff. I think what, I gave you full stuff? body, like foods and stuff. And then, what name of food you got? What did we do? Yeah, see? Isn't that Babe, no. I know. <laughs> no, one, no one knows. It's not my day to remember. It's your day to remember, dingus. Well, I forgot. So well, then, do better. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw you off the mountain with that squirrel. No, I, I'll take the full credit for being a worse parent. You're not, though. No, I mean, as a dad... I think dads, in a way, are worse parents than moms. Like, yes. moms are number one. Dads are great. I love dads. But moms do so much. Dad, yeah, I know that, but... Like, dads are there for the fun stuff, and, like, they'll intimidate someone if you need it. Like, I don't... Not me, other dads. <laughs> but, like, yeah, Lou's going to have to hire someone to pretend she's uh, had us a tough dad, but... Yeah, moms moms are more like omnipresent in terms of parenting. Well, I I would say maybe in our lives, but I don't think that's the case all the time. Maybe no, the majority no. of the, the time. I'm but. generalizing and I'm just saying yeah. in general and there's mm -hmm. an exception to every rule and if you're like a dad listening who's doing more than the mom, I'm wrong. Well, but however, my father's days I don't feel like I'm being pampered as much as like the moms. Well then, you stupid head, I am going to honestly pamper the heck out of you this Father's Day and I'm gonna make you feel like me. No, I'm not I'm not saying I expect it. I would almost feel guilty because no, I, I know what you do. I know how much you do, Alex. Yeah, and I think you deserve that exorbitant price tag that comes along with those stupid sleeper dresses <laughs> that you love so much. But uh, as far as Father's Day, yeah, I think what I got a granddad's donut. Oh, my God. Yeah, I drove downtown to get these awesome donuts. Yeah, granddads.com in case you're looking for the price of these donuts. <laughs> I don't even have, think they have an internet. Like, I don't have think they have a internet. website. They have a website. It's, Do they? Yeah, it's from the 90s, but still. It's like <laughs> HTML or whatever. Uh, yeah, best donuts in the city. Um, yeah, anyway, babe, I, I did a good job for you, and I will again this year. But Massage? 
Massage. I guess massage has to be there. I mean, if you're not going to shell out the dough, you might as well knead me like I am a piece of dough. Oh, you will K-N-E-A-D. be so needed. Thank you. K-N-E-A-D. Nice. I like this. Okay, and, and what's our last topic we're going to end on? Now that we've we've gotten through the Mother's Day fiasco, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. What's another topic? Should an apple and onion for the week? Mm. What if we just talk about babies? Okay. Which, which I know that you just burp right in my face. By the way, <laughs> a huge gust of wind just came in blue. Alex's burp right in my face. But I want to talk about babies right now. Uh, As a mom, I'm curious because mm-hmm. you're breastfeeding Betty right now. Lucy's not breastfeeding, but Lucy's older and we've had more time with her at this moment. And yes, here's the here's the thing that needs to be said. We obviously love both kids equally Mm -hmm. and we're always going to. (laughs) Oh, no. But who do you feel more bonded with right now? Being a person who's, you know, you have a child sucking on your teat, but the other one's been around longer. So who who are you closer to? It's honestly that that's as hard for me to answer as. If you would ask me who I love more, because it's it's totally equal, because this is an easier question though, because no. I'm, I'm I'm prefacing this whole thing with you love them both equally. No, I know that, but when I think about bonding at this moment in time, honestly, for me, I, and I know it's going to be different for you because you are not nursing Betty, and you don't have as much time with her as I do. Like I'm still up all night with her and everything, but. It's very, it's very much the same because like Betty and I, again, we're up all night together. I bring her in my bed first thing in the morning and we just kind of lay there and look at each other and giggle and snuggle and it's really sweet. And then with Lucy... You just look at Betty and just start giggling? No, we like giggle together and we make funny faces and stuff like that and yeah. And then with Lucy, it's, you know, having the baby makes me appreciate her and how much she's like growing and speaking and it's really amazing. And then whenever Betty's napping, Lucy and I get to have these awesome, really sweet times together. And now that I'm not pregnant anymore, and it's easier for me to, and like I'm not in the recovery stage, it's easier for me to physically like pick up Lucy and do stuff with her. So I feel like I finally can do things that I, I haven't, I wasn't able to do from what, like last March until the fall because I was either pregnant or in recovery. And now I just feel like I have you know, my, my physical strength back and everything. So like at nighttime, I go into Lucy's room after you tuck her in, like when I'm done with Betty and I go say goodnight and I pick her up and she says she wants to dance cheek to cheek and we dance cheek to cheek. And then I tell her stories and we just have this really sweet time. And honestly, I, for me, it's, it's just so different, the bonding between the two of them, but it's, it's the same. And for me, this is a really special phase because just to have the older kid and the baby. And it's just, honestly, this is like such a magical time for me because I kind of get to have it all. And uh, it is, it's mm. making me emotional. I, I really, I honestly really love the ages they are right now and just interacting with them both so differently. It's very cool for me. Yeah, for me, Lucy's way better. <laughs> Betty's a little bit boring, but I'm sure uh, she'll catch up. <laughs> okay. See how easy that question was to answer, Alex? Um, but I should... I'm in my feelings. You're in your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, man. It's a different type of vibe outside. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's almost like we're on ayahuasca right now. 
Oh, is that? Well, it, it feels it. It definitely does have a different energy out here. Oh, it's very cool. I am really yeah. loving it, babe. And we got one candle going. It's kind of like a uh, yeah. like a seancey vibe. No, it's very cool. I like it out here. All right. Well, let's get to Abby Metcalf. Abby Metcalf. Now, this woman has some energy. So, if you're feeling sleepy, if you're listening to this podcast to go to sleep. <laughs> Change the channel, man. Save it to the morning. First cup of coffee of the day. Yeah, because Abby has some energy. She has a contagious thing going on. And the day we recorded this, I was having a bad day. And then when the interview ended, I felt great. No, and yeah. that anytime that happens, I know that, that it's a really special guest we have on. So I hope you enjoy this interview. But before we get to this interview, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They believe in quality over quantity and making the best basics for your littles. And we bought a lot of quantity for that quality <laughs> because that is all Lucy wears and pretty much Betty too. The only difference is Lucy demands Mini Miosh on her body at all times. And more than that, you know, it's soft, it's comfortable, it's timeless, and it can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. You can check out the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. Use the promo code thisfamilytree15 for 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is minimiosh.com and This Family Tree 15. And the clothes are very easy to get on your child, which is what I enjoy. But we are also supported by... We are supported by Clorox On-The-Go Disinfecting Wipes. More than ever, we're so aware of how easy it is to pick up the germs around us. And these wipes are so important to me right now. I can't even stress that enough. Absolutely. And not only that, but they are convenient and perfect for cleaning and disinfecting multi-surfaces when you're out and about. You can use this product on hard, non-porous surfaces such as, Shane, hit me. Cell phones, door handles, light switches, laptops, recycling bins, microwave exteriors, fridge exteriors, windows, stovetop exteriors, bedside furniture, weights and gym equipment, desks, countertops, car interiors, and of course, children's toys. (laughs) Take a breath. Good job. But you can use them basically anywhere. And these wipes are bleach free and kill 99.99% of bacteria and viruses. I've never heard of anyone getting a full 100%. So I would say this is the best you can get. Oh, top of the game. They're sold in a conveniently sized pouch that is so perfect to keep in cars, purses, at work, and even when you travel. You can purchase the Clorox on-the-go disinfecting wipes at your local Walmart, grocery store, or on Amazon. And now let's get to our interview with Abby Metcalf. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us today. I already love your energy and we haven't even gotten into the conversation, but we are so happy to be sitting down with you. And Abby, if you can you know, start us off by telling us exactly what you do, because I know you are a psychotherapist. You specialize in relationships. Uh, so tell us what you do and how you got into it. So I'm a Jew from New York, so I have a lot of schooling, because that's what we do. <laughs> and I do live here in the Bay Area now. I'm a recovering heroin addict, so I got into being a therapist very young. And then I decided I wanted to help more people. So I went and got uh, an MBA and in the MBA school, my professor said, Oh, you don't want to be an MBA school. You want a PhD in organizational psychology. Mm-hmm. So I have a master's in counseling psychology and then a PhD in organization. So I'm really we- a weird combo. And then I've worked, I started working it with executives who had drug and alcohol problems in, uh, 
uh, mostly international mergers and acquisitions. And then I wasn't seeing my children. <laughs> and I thought, why don't I have these little critters if I'm not going to be around? So I switched my life very dramatically and to stay to be near them. And when I was working with these executives, I was, you know, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be counseling them. I just coaching. I, I didn't know the difference really. I still don't. And I was helping them with their, you know, I would start working. It was all men on their marriages. They all, you know, you don't, you're not, you don't get five DUIs and have a happy marriage. It's, mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not how it is. And so I was working on their parenting, their marriage, you know, with them. And they were having amazing results there. I was never meeting these wives. I was never meeting those kids and they were having incredible results. So I realized that I was onto something and I thought this is really great. And then I sort of leaned back into kind of the counseling world more just on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started the podcast a few years ago, Relationships Made Easy. And uh, that's all very actionable research-based tips and my experience, my 35 years of doing this. It was originally just couples because I'm a relationship maven. That's what I call myself. And uh, so I love all relationships. And, uh, but it's all, you know, it, my, what, like what we're going to talk about today really applies everywhere. Mm -hmm. So to every relationship you have. Um, and I even apply it in my parenting. And then, yeah, I wrote the book, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing, because mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> yep. uh, which is an Amazon number one bestseller and Congrats. Um, wow. did really well. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I have a new book coming out, Negativity Sucks, But Not in a Good Way. Um, so I'm going to be <laughs> doing all that. <laughs> I wanted to say negativity sucks balls, but yeah. not in a good way. But my my online business manager was like, absolutely not. We are not having a book like that. So I, I, I toned it down and um, yeah. And I, you know, I love up the people in my life and I, I have uh, two teenagers and they're amazing. And I have great relationships with both of them. They're incredible and a great relationships with my ex and his wife and my, you know, I have a great relationship now with my partner and his ex-wife. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, I practice what I preach, but it's really after all these years of doing this work with so many different kinds of people all over the United States. I've lived in Israel. You know, I, I've done it sort of everywhere. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. This is uh, interesting. My TED Talk is sort of related to what we're going to talk about today. I'm ex So I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. And my grandmother is named Betty. So I was no really way. down. Of course, because that's where that name is like from, which is so cool. <laughs> so I was, you know, I'm like, So Betty. cute. I love that. I, I love those old school names. Betty's so. Unite. Betty's Unite. My name's actually Abigail is sort of old school. Yeah, too, it is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my Hebrew name. I won't even get into my name. <laughs> it's too weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, and how long have you guys been together? We've Ooh, been six years. Yeah. So six years dating and we're coming up to our fifth anniversary of being married this summer. Yeah. Yeah. We dated for one year before we got married. Yes. Yeah. So quick. Perfect. We okay. went quick. You get to count that. You should. Yeah. I hate of when course. they don't let you count. Like what? You get married? You have to start over? No. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I guess we are still dating. Even we have a date night podcast. We do. So you're right. You know, I it's I true. apologize. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> for for you, is it ever weird, like counseling married people, or not weird? Do you ever get any flack for being a person who's been divorced? And you're doing marriage counseling? No, I think it's the opposite. And I think the fact that I have such good relationships with everyone is testament to 
what we want to do in our world, you know, and, and how it works, how it can truly work. And my children are happy and, you know, it's uh, we're all together for holidays. My daughter's birthday's next week. Everybody's coming over. You know, it's that feel, which it should be. No, I think it's the opposite in some ways. I think part of the, I'll get in a little soapbox for a minute, but you know, when you have like a, I want to just call him out a Dr. Phil, you know, <laughs> who has a doctorate in philosophy, by the way, who is talking about how to have a perfect marriage and writing a book. And then he and Robin uh, based on like him and Robin, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's effed up. That's yeah. not, you can't do that because not everybody has your marriage and, mm-hmm. or your life or your background or your whatever. And so I've always based everything I talk about is based on my, on the research, you know, like real research, what really works. And this 35 years I've had working in every capacity you can imagine uh, in the counseling world and business world. So to me, that's really, and I think my own personal experience, you know, dovetails in with there. And it, it's, uh, I think it's a richness that a lot of people don't have. If you haven't been through hard things, I don't know how you talk about it. In, in a Well, you talk about it, but maybe not in a bigger way. No, absolutely. And, you know, with all of these experiences you have and people from different walks of life, different relationship problems, and then again, your own experiences, what do you find people like the most common problems in marriages, in long-term relationships? Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) the most common problem, well, is what everybody tells me is the most common problem, but it's not. So pretty much everyone comes in saying we don't communicate right? That's pretty much, we're having trouble with communication. We need help communicating. That's all I hear. And that is not the problem. The problem is competition. It's, it's very much a part of the American culture. You know, my better half, we even say it, my better half, my other half, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he completes me, which makes me throw up in my mouth a little (laughs) bit. Uh, You know, that kind of talk, we literally talk that way. So people get in their heads 50-50. They have that in their heads. And that's the problem. And we say things like, it's your turn to put away the dishes. Um, I took Jack to baseball on Friday. So you have to take Sophie on Thursday. You know, we, we, I spent money on this. So you spent money on this. So I can spend money on this. We literally do this 50-50 friggin' thing all the time. But the problem with that is that if I see you opposite me, if you get more, it means I get less. So I'm not voting for you to win. Why would I vote for you to win if it means I lose? I had a couple not long ago, he got a big promotion and he was upset because her first reaction was, great, now I'll be home more taking care of the kids. I guess you'll be off traveling all the time and I'll be home taking care because, right? Because she sees it as like, you got something, I have less. And that's the problem that's undermining the communication. Of course, you're not communicating because I think that I don't really trust you with that 100%. If it comes down to two of us, you know, we're on these opposite sides. So the first thing every couple has to do, has to, has to, has to do is really get that idea that you're a shared resource. So when I'm draining my partner, I'm draining myself. Uh, and I've had lots of, for example, like these businessmen I worked with for so many years, they'd be off on a business trip let's say wife is home taking care of the kids and the house, probably working too part-time maybe or whatever. And then he comes home exhausted from the trip. You know, it's a lot. He has to be in meetings all the time. He's, you know, sleeping in different beds, the whole thing. And then she's exhausted, right? Cause she's been home and they fight when they get home. It's, it happens all the time. They, they end up fighting. And my thing always, I'm like, you need her to have help while you're gone. Mm-hmm. 
like you need to bring in a resources ad and you need, if you can, to take some things off her plate. So she has less to do while you're gone. And that way, when you come back, she's not so, you can't both be drained. You know, that's the problem. So I always tell people you want to add resources and, or take things off your plate that you think has to happen. We, we say all the time, you have to take things off my plate. We say to our partners all the time, right? And it's the same plate. It's the same plate. Your partner can't take anything off. You are moving around the mashed potatoes. Like this is not, that's not how it works. And as soon as you really get this, it completely changes what's happening inside the relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you know when it's time to end a relationship? Ooh, (laughs) I get this a lot. I actually have a video on YouTube called, is this relationship worth saving? And here's the deal. Most people, they'll come to me, let's say, and I will get sometimes just the one person because the partner won't come in, right? And again, that works, wrote a whole book on it, that works, but they'll come in and I'll, you know, we'll talk and they'll have some great tool. They'll, <laughs> they'll be like, that sounds great, Abby. And they'll go home. And what's happening is they're actually in their head thinking things like, well, it sounded good in the office, but I don't think it's going to work with us. Or we've made changes before and they never stick or our changes, our problems have been going on for years. You know, that little thing she gave me is not going to work. And so what's happening is all that doubt, right? You know, that's all that doubt. It's really amazing. So (laughs) our conscious brains process information. I'm going to thread this together. Don't worry. Our conscious brains uh, process information at a rate of 50 bits per second but our unconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So your partner or whoever you're talking to doesn't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. So you go home with this new tool, right? But it doesn't match what you really believe. So you're doing it, but you're sort of like, I'll see how long this lasts. I'll try it for a week. I'll try. You're not all in. You're mm-hmm. it's conditional, and you're waiting for that response. You know, otherwise, I'm not going to keep doing it. And of course, your partner is picking up on that, and they're like, "Well, she's being nice now, but let's see how long this lasts." So they don't change because th- why would they change? Can they can tell it's not? And then, sure enough, you're doing your thing. It doesn't work, so you stop, and your partner goes, "I knew it." See, I was waiting. I knew that was going to happen. And then people, it does, it, they think it's not working. And it's, it's because you have to align those things first. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I hate to have people just walk away. You know, wherever you end this relationship, you're going to begin with your next one, without a doubt. So no matter what, you have to end well. Mm-hmm. You have to have to end well. It doesn't matter if you're never going to see that person again, you have to end well. And that's what people don't get. So you need to do that work no matter what. You, you have to find that space to truly believe, to truly put in 100%. And I do tell people when they come to couples, sometimes they'll say, well, we're going to see how this works and then we'll see. And I'm like, no, it's not. Don't waste your money. You're wasting your money. So any therapist out there allowing that, I shame <laughs> on you. Uh, it, it, I turn a lot of people away because I say them you and I make them watch my little video. I'm like, you have to be in a hundred percent. You know, you might, you might train for a marathon and never do the marathon, but you will have changed in that process, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of being yeah. able to do it and you know what you did. And it's the same thing with this. You just, you really have to be all in and you can't be all in if you're hedging your bets. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, you know, you're not. And yeah. so all that doubt, 
you can't have a love relationship based on fear. Now, Abby, I want to just kind of pivot back to what you were saying before about, you know, you're eating from the same plate. You're not 50-50. You are kind of, you know, you're all one and you deplete yourself when you're depleting your partner. And one thing I see in my friend groups when I talk to other mothers online, things like that, is if their partner is off working, doing whatever, when he comes home and he's exhausted and she's exhausted, she's also expecting him or vice versa to, you know, not be exhausted because they want to spend time with the family. They want to spend time as a couple. And I get that because then there's a sense of like something's unfair. It's like, well, you've been off. Yeah, sure. You've been at business meetings, but come on, like 50% of them are kind of fun. You're getting, you know, beautiful meals, hotels, whatever, what I would kill to stay in a hotel overnight. How do you get rid of, it's kind of like a work jealousy. How do you deal with that? It's the competition. Yeah. It's, it's comp, you're competing. You're like, you are having more fun than me. So you're not allowed. So now you have to pay to equal that thing, right? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's her thing. That is, yeah. 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 That, well, huh, you know, I remember when I had two, my kids are two and a half years apart. So yeah. I, I, I remember well. Yeah. And you know, divorce happens when uh, the, the highest rate of divorce is when the youngest child is four. So oh, get past wow. that, you're all good. So I, I know I, I mean, every couple I have, I'm like, just get past that. Just you, when they get into kindergarten, your whole life, you're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm yeah. oh. oh, I can't wait. I'm so glad you said that. I am telling you, it's amazing. And when you sleep again, you don't, number one, a form of torture in the world, sleep deprivation, number one. And you're supposed to be getting along great. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And the other thing with that to really, and I, I want to, I will come back to what you're saying, but I really want to say this really clear. We, it takes a lot of like for this, you know, mm -hmm. young couple, right. Doing the podcast, all the things you guys are doing. You have these two little be beauties that you would not trade for a million gazillion dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not about how much we love them, but it takes emotional bandwidth to deal with all of the things and what happens and here you go this is going to change your life <laughs> what happened i'm so arrogant <laughs> no, i like it i like it got my attention it's the jewish mother bossy thing <laughs> uh but what what happens is people think about their day in 24 hours and i want you to stop doing that the second you stop doing this your life will change and this is true in the couple everywhere it's not how much time is left in your day it's how much mind is left in your day it's how much bandwidth you have, because you know, you've had time at night. You're like, oh, I get home at five. I don't go to bed till 10 or 11. I've got hours. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to rearrange my closet, right? We have the list. And then we are sitting with haagen binge watching Br Bridgerton, right? <laughs> going, what, what happened? I had all these hours. It's because you had no bandwidth left. Your mm -hmm. bandwidth is made up of your willpower. And you wake, you know, willpower is an exhaustible resource. You wake up with the most willpower you're going to have for the day. I, I wake up real early because that's when I get all my good stuff done before the children, before mm -hmm. things happen. But I will say this, that so as your day wears, your willpower is draining. So that's why at night, even though there's time, there's not mind. There's not space for that. So when you bring in new things, like even if, you know, your boss, like you have a boss who says, Hey, I have an extra project. You know, I have a project I need you to take on. And you're like, Oh, 
got a couple more hours. I can do that. You know, no, stop that. Stop that. If when you have other new things going on, you can't just keep taking on your, your brain. It, it can't do it. You're, mm-hmm. you're the cup runneth over. Mm-hmm. And that's when we are short with our partners. We have very little energy for them at night. Sex goes out the window, you know, all the things, or it's just like missionary all the time. Right. <laughs> like we're, we're bored. Like, and I have couples say that they're like, well, the only time we're in bed is, and I'm like in bed, try somewhere else. You got that minivan, make good use of it. Oh my God. Like get in there. But do you know what I'm saying? So you really have to be thoughtful. You can't just keep adding. It's mm-hmm. this American stupidity, frankly, that we can, oh, I can, you know, yeah. and by the way, our plates were already full before COVID. What, was your plate not full? Oh and I don't God. know how you had a baby in COVID. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I can't even. I can't even. I've had clients pregnant during this, having babies during this, and it's anyway. The, the no child care so, is the hardest. I no. I right. If I didn't have teenagers at home, I I'm not yeah. sure there wouldn't be homicides on my <laughs> yeah, list. No, I, I don't tough. know. Yeah. Right? How do you? I really don't. So think of that. So your plate's already full. And now you've added, 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 added. There's only so much your brain can do. That, that you can say all the things you want, but something's going to suffer. And it's usually our relationships because it's usually that that's where we have the least amount of uh, energy for. So again, you've got to figure out how to either take things off your plate that you thought you had to do. I have another client trying to lose the baby weight. I was like, could you just please leave that right now? <laughs> I'm begging you to leave the baby weight. You know, it's like, you can do that later. Mm-hmm. Right now, this, don't, no more things. No more, I have to count calories. Jenny, you know, she was going to do Jenny Craig. I was like, stop it. Like, just stop. And any help you can get in, anything you can do to, again, ease it so that you're not always looking. And that's the thing. When something happens in our homes, we often look to our partner, right? We're like, oh, I can't do this. Can you? That's our first reaction. That should be your last reaction. So what do we go to first then? Like what's our, what should our first reaction be? Someone outside. (laughs) First of all, you think, does this have to happen now? That's number one. Does this really have to happen? It'd be nice to happen. Does it have to happen? I have another couple getting married and right now, like in July. They're working full time. They've got blended family. They both have jobs and they're doing the engagement parties and the, and the special gifts and the things and the thing. And I'm like, something has to go. You, and they're fighting all the time and paying for therapy. I'm like, you would do better not to pay me and to stop half that crap. You would mm-hmm. save a lot of money. And what, why? Like what? I get that you have dreamed of this, mm-hmm. but would you rather be, ha- you know, happy? Would, don't you want to be happy? Like, are, isn't that better than having pictures of this time? I, I don't know. It, it's like we can't let go of something. And it's really about letting go. Like COVID aside, because that is, that's wild. And I couldn't imagine having to get married now. I know a lot of people that are going through it. And it's so tough, right? Because dreams are being dashed. Just lots of things are happening. But do you think that we put too much pressure on ourselves to have our relationships look like something or look like somebody else's and how can we stop that comparison because I know like when we first had our first daughter I went through a phase of like a month where I was I made the decision that I wanted to solely breastfeed no bottle feeding anything like that so I was the one getting up and I still am the one getting up at nighttime and things like that but then I remember hearing a friend being like oh yeah we do half and half at nighttime 
And then in my head, I was like, that bastard, Shane, we're not doing half and half. But then I really thought that just for a second. But then I'm the one that wanted to do this. And then I for a little while I got in my head. I was like, hmm, am I doing it right? Are we doing it right? I don't know. It seems to be working for them. Losing sight of the fact that this works for us. And I enjoy this and I wouldn't want to do it a different way. So how do we cut that comparison out? The FOMO. Yeah. There, and I did a whole podcast on FOMO. There's a few things here. You know, one is that when you're doing, you know, when you get into that space where you're, you know, up in the night, I too breastfeed. I was breastfeeding the first year only breast milk because I was crazy woman and decided that was a thing, even though I was working. And flying around and flying breast milk home. Oh my God. Uh, I was nuts. I was driving with the pump on, you know, the little, the, yeah. the, I, like some bad porno movie <laughs> on the highway, <laughs> like with the pump attached, you know, like a crazy person. Cause that, and that's a good example of, are you nuts? What mm. are you doing? Like, wh- how is your mental health being affected? How is that healthy for your baby? But you know, you go crazy. But then there's that shift, like when you're up at night and you, you're gonna, right. You're going to mm-hmm. look at him and don't you hate how they go right back to sleep. Oh. I know he does. <laughs> oh. Doesn't know, but they don't wake right? up sometimes at all. Yeah. I don't even, if uh, I am yeah. waking up, I don't always know I'm waking up. No, yeah. you just kind of turn, steal more blanket and then go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of cute. Like another baby. We, we try not to hate you. And right. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, okay. I love him. I love him. I love him. Okay. So you have to go back there, but in those moments, and it's really what I did, I would think about how I'm being of service to my family. Mm -hmm. Like, and I want to be of service to them. And this is something I can give that no one else can. And I'm not going to have this again. You know, like this Mm -hmm. is it. And these are the last times I'll be doing this. And being in that space is a very different thing. So when I'm getting up to make breakfast for my kids or, you know, I'm thinking I'm being of service and it's a very different attitude you bring instead of all the like, Oh, let's go. You know, you're in this happier, joy, more joyous place. And again, and I love how you said that it's your choice. You have to really think about if it's my choice to breastfeed, then in this way, mm-hmm. then I can't expect my partner to have to do other, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I want this. If I want the kitchen, a certain amount of clean and my husband doesn't do it right, you know, and doesn't clean the way I want it cleaned, then I either have to just really accept this is him doing what he likes. It's no ways right. And if I want it the other way, then I need to do it. It's not about forcing him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the word service and I remember I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago. I cannot remember who said it. Shane, you might even know. And somebody was talking about, you know, one of the things that can make us feel the happiness, the most happy, the most happy story. I need another copy. Clearly is how we can be of service and how we can feel that we can serve, whether it's our family, our community, because that gives so much meaning. So. Is, is that something that you'd bring into this? Like, in what ways can you find meaning serving your family? Like, is that something that we should be, yeah. be looking for? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it wonderful to be of service to your family? And so sometimes that means that you're working, you know, maybe, I don't, you know, want to use off working and that's being of service. There's value in all of it if you look at it from that way. And I'm not saying, like, I feel good about my job, you know, I, I, I get... I do. There's self-esteem involved in it. I get it. I I like to work, you know, I'm one of those, but, and I still feel really good when I can provide for my family in a certain way. 
And that's, you know, being a service or to my clients or the podcast I do for free, you know, like there's things I do of service so that I'm not, there's no resentment attached because I'm getting this amazing thing. So even if it's cleaning the dishes at night, if you can sort of shift the mindset from, oh, I have to do this thing and it's pissing me off and they're doing that while well, I have to do this. And remember the competition again, yeah. competition. We're just sitting there competing. Like everyone's supposed to be miserable because we are. I would say to you either hire someone to clean your dishes. If it's that miserable for you or, you know, I, I gut the kid's college account and just pay for that. I, I do not judge, go do that or get into really being feeling like it's of service, not just like, I hate that word acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I just accept it. It feels like I'm like shoving something down my throat. I don't want, you know, like I, I don't, that's not cool that, you know, the Stoics had this Latin term amor fati, which is lover of your fate. But what it really means is that you love what's happening. You don't accept it. You embrace it. Mm-hmm. You, you really, life is happening for you, not to you kind of thing, right? That different idea. So then when we, you know, if we kind of embody this, you know, feeling of like service and things like that to our family to really try to stop with the competition, then how do we, you know, bring it up to our partner, bring it up to our spouse when we're thinking, okay, like I'm, I'm servant too much and I need your help in this regard. Like, how do you, how do you, yeah. you know what I mean? So that you're not only yes, serving. I do. <laughs> As you might imagine, this comes up a lot in the couples I work with. You know, again, cause there is that thing. So uh, there's a few things here. One is there's never equal time mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be, and you never should look at the time it, you know, so it takes me a lot longer, maybe to grocery shop than my partner to, you know, mow the lawn or something, whatever those stereotypes might be. Right. It's not, you can't start comparing. Well, I spent five hours doing this. You could at least do this. You could at least do that. You know, that thing. So again, cause you're keeping score. Mm-hmm. Anytime you keep score, you're, you're screwed. You're competing. So you really, that's number one. You just want to get out of that. But the second thing is you have to connect to correct. You need to be connected to your partner truly before you ask for things or talk about this stuff. And actually what I would say to you is to ask questions like, Hey, how is always, I I say, don't sack your relationships. Don't offer suggestions, give advice or criticize. Okay. I know. And you're like, what's left. Uh, So (laughs) asking questions is what's left. So it might be, um, how do you think we're doing? Like, how, how is the marriage to you? How's parenthood feeling? How do you feel as a dad or as a mom, you know, whoever's asking? right? Start the conversation with the connection with the mutual, you know, how scale of one to six, you know, how anxious are you day to day or how stressed do you feel? Find that out before you start asking for, you know, Mm -hmm. right? Because immediately then people are like, oh, I'm getting out. You know, they do that. (laughs) I do that because it feels, yeah, it's, well, you get defensive. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm already doing everything I can do. I can't do another thing. I can't believe you're asking. But again, if you're a team, and you're looking at your team resources and your shared resource, you're not just asking your partner to do stuff. You're thinking this thing needs to get done. I feel at my limit. Let's problem solve. What should we do to get that done? Is it important to you? Ask your partner. Is it important to you? The laundry, I don't, you know, whatever, the, that the bushes out front are trimmed, <laughs> that the, you know, um, you know, is it important to you? That's the first thing. Because a lot of stuff's not important to our partners. That's important to us. 
Yeah. Right. No, big but time. the second piece, it does. And so they're not, especially then you're going to ask them to do it and they don't even, they think it's stupid. It, it's, it's such a recipe for failure and it's really just a place for your, you to set your partner up to lose. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. So if instead we say, oh, you know, I'm feeling really drained <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, I know we and use that term, like this is something important to me. Is it important to you ask that first? Then if it is, you say, okay, so how do we tackle it? I don't just want to pass the buck between the two of us. Let's, let's get inventive here. Let's get creative because maybe there's something again, that can come off the plate so that can get added. Maybe there's someone, a resource you can add just to take care of it. Maybe you're not going to put as much in retirement as you wanted to while the babies are so little because you need more help. Maybe, 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 maybe. So all the things, but when you're problem solving together, it's also the buy-in. Never, ever, ever negotiate or compromise. It's such, can we swear? I won't swear. Yeah, yeah. It's such, okay. It's such bullshit because the research shows when people negotiate or compromise, each party thinks they gave up more. Right. I get so that. I have a recipe now for resentment, mm-hmm. right? So I always tell people it's never this, you know, I'm here, you're here, and we're going to come to the middle. It's a triangle. I'm here, you're here, and we are going to talk together about a, like something we don't even see yet, a possibility we don't even know yet. Like we're going to problem solve together to this next stage. That's what we're doing. And when you get that, the whole game changes because it's so exponential. There's here, there's not much, right? It's very finite. And so, but here, and we're left feeling that friggin' FOMO here. We're left, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it right. I should, can I just tell you it, the first day of school, not this last year, notwithstanding the first day of school, there's always, I live in this area here in California, Northern California. It's very community. It's very like small and it's lovely. Right right outside of San Francisco. And everybody like the, the dads and moms take their kids to school the first day and they take all the photos. Yeah. And they, I I'm driving. I slow down to like five and I'm like, tuck and roll. Right. I'm like, tuck and roll. Go, go. I don't, I don't take a photo. I don't, I have nothing. I have nothing. And so I'm watching on Facebook app or wherever, right. Or Instagram, everyone is posting that first day of school and their kids are showing that 12 years and all the photo. And I'm like, I, you know, I usually take a picture of my kids like upside down, you know, losing it and post that. I'm like, this is the mother I am. And people judge it or they don't or whatever. As long as I don't judge it and I don't compare myself, that's not something I can do. I don't bring that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't absolutely. bring it. So, right. And, and that's just what it is. I bring other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I dress way better than most of them all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, my hair's not in a bow. Yeah, you have more time to get dolled up because they're taking the photos. See? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'd much rather do that. And then I'm happier. We're all happier. Now, I, I want to say like argumentative styles. Argue, yeah, please. But I, I guess discussion styles. When some couples get into like the heat of the moment, some people want to talk about it right away. And some people want to say, let's talk about it tomorrow or I can't, I need space. But uh, for me, I like to talk about it right away and she doesn't want to discuss it. So when she goes away to like, I I call it being passive aggressive or something like that, because then it's just I find there's just silence for the next day or so. (laughs) 
I don't. I'm not silent for a whole but day. But when when if we talk about it right away, it might be considered like like we're too passionate into the the argument or the discussion. So then it's like too hot to actually be rational. How do you navigate those situations when you're dealing with two very different people and two very different communication styles? And that's the most common, by the way, just so you know. We, we're very attracted. The opposites attract thing is very real. Mm-hmm. It's very real. I have a wonderful couple I work with. She's from Brazil and he's from Germany. Can you, you just, <laughs> right? It, it should be illegal, right, to marry those cultures, right? I mean, you know, he's like, trains on time, let's be right. And she's like, joie de vie and fabulous <laughs> and, you know, late. She's always late. I, it's like craziness. So yeah, when they talk, she wants to scream and yell and talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not having it. I'll see you tomorrow. Right. So yeah, it happens a lot because we're really attracted to this other thing that we don't have. So I have no doubt that you guys were attracted to each other for the very thing that drives you crazy once you're married and have kids. You, you know, you look to this other person, you're like, oh, they're like a still pool. It feels so good to be in near that energy. Right. Mm-hmm. I know you felt that. Of course. And then, yeah. right. And then you've, you know, you're looking at Shane going, oh, that passion, that like fire. Oh my God. It's so nice. It's so wonderful to be around. You know, it feels good. You're warming your hands on the fire. You're like, yeah. Then you buy a house and you have kids (laughs) and you try to run a household and you want to kill each other because that thing. And so if this is really where it's about, and I'm going to come back to how to communicate, like, let me say this first. We often unconditionally love our partners, but we don't unconditionally accept them. And people don't feel loved unless they feel accepted. That's just it. So you can say you love me all day, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a lesbian and my parents say, well, we don't believe in that, but we love you. I, I don't feel loved that I'm not accepted for who I am. So I don't feel loved. And that's what happens a lot with these ops. It's like, what, you know, people say things like, well, I'm good with money and, and he's a spender or I'm this and they're that. Like there's, again, this competition. And so the first things first is you really have to embrace it all. So, you know, this energy I have right now, I have this all the time. You know, that's how annoying this is to live with. So I do. I'm like this right, like when I, till I go to bed, like till bedtime. So I, this is me, but you really want me on your side when you want shit done. Like I'm going to, I'm your girl, right? I am like getting it, but I can be a little controlling and a little annoying. And you know what? You got to take it all. Mm -hmm. You don't get to have just the one part you like. You, you, you've got to not just accept, remember again, get to embrace it. Like, oh, that's my girl. Yep. She is. Woo. Yep. She, she gets real quiet and wants to be in her own little world. I love her. She's amazing. And I love her stillness. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. So how do I connect to that stillness? And again, you have to connect to correct. So when you're both in flood in, you know, you guys have different styles, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze mode, mm-hmm. obviously right? Shane is a fighter mm-hmm. and obviously you go into, it sounds like, I don't know if you're flee or freeze yet, um, but I, I flee. you're, I you're flight. Yeah. yeah. I'm a flee or two. I love this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, I'm with a fleer now, so it's perfect. Oh, we never fight. Uh, yeah. But, but, but I was with a fighter before, you know? And so, yeah. So there's a, a space of not seeing it as, you know, they don't listen to me. They don't get me. They, you know, they're trying to 
I don't know, force their way. She's being passive. You know, we diagnose mm-hmm. our partners, right? <laughs> They're being this. We're just both in our, our, our amygdala is lit up. It's literally brain chemistry. You, you are feeling it's a threat. When you're upset with your partner, there's no bigger threat. Mm-hmm. And your brain is treating it like a tiger about to eat you. So you, and by the way, the rational part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex and the neocortex where we believe compassion, appreciation, all gentleness, patience lives. That part of the brain literally looks like there's a blanket on it when the amygdala is lit up, when that fight, flight, or freeze is lit mm-hmm. up. So you can't problem solve. You can't think clearly. You are overestimating threats and underestimating opportunities. You are not thinking well. Mm-hmm. So it's really not the time to talk. It is the time to try to connect in some way. So that might be that you sort of sit with the the love, the feelings, you know, the things that you can kind of grab that, oh, she's driving me crazy right now. And okay, I'm just going to take a minute to, you know, bring myself back. We're going to talk, you know, Shane, you have to know you're going to talk. Otherwise you'll go crazy. We're going to talk, but with a fleer, <laughs> you got to be like, it's like a fawn in the woods, you know, you got to not move, just put your hand out, <laughs> just mm-hmm. be really quiet. <laughs> and then we come up. But you know, if you're coming at us, we're, we're, we're going to run just as hard the other way. So it really is about understanding your partner. And, you know, and, and for you, Alex, it's going to be the opposite, right? Yeah. It's going to be, Ugh, I really don't want to do this. He's killing me. He's trying to control me. He wants me to talk and I don't want to talk. And that's not fair. Right. We, mm-hmm. I'm just guessing. That's what <laughs> I think when it's happening. And it's about being aware enough to stop or as soon as you can to stop. And, you know, I love this person. We're going to have to connect. We're going to have to do this. I, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't go here. I can't stay here. We have to, we have to figure this out. But we can figure it out on my terms too, like on both our terms, you know, we can figure this out differently. So it might be for you that, you know, Alex might say, well, I cannot talk to you right now, but let's, you know, it's three o'clock. Let's talk at three 30. Let's talk at four. Let's talk after the baby's nap. Let's, mm-hmm. talk, you know, but, but really, because otherwise the fleer will never talk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just be like, that's done. I don't want to <laughs> move it along. Uh, and <laughs> The problem is, it's really interesting. When we're getting along with our partners, it's the best time to talk about things. But the problem is, we think, oh, I don't want to rock the boat now. Mm-hmm. We're getting yeah. along. I don't want that's to do anything. It. That's the exact time you should, because that's when you can hear each other. Because that's when you have the most connection. Yep. And I, I know it's it's very hard. So, and for me, I, I do, I out myself. Like, I'm sure, Shane, you're willing to talk at any moment. Mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> so, yes. we don't have to worry about you. So, right. It's for Al- you, Alex. Like, I'll have to say to Gary, I'll be like, I said, okay, can we just talk? How about four o'clock before mm-hmm. we got to dinner? Let- let's sit for a minute. And, you know, my tummy will be roiling. I do this for a friggin' living. And still, my stomach will be upset and I'll be a little whatever. And then, of course, I then I set intention, though. I just make sure I get in the right space to sit. If you sit feeling afraid, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Because again, no relationship is improved by fear. Mm-hmm. I have a, a woman I'm working with and she she's doing different work actually with another couple, with a couple, a different couples therapist. And she, her husband said, I want to talk to you in couples therapy next week about some stuff that I have to share with you. I have some resentment, some old stuff I really want to get out. And she's with me, you know, on a Thursday, right? Having session going, oh my God, oh my God. And I said, no, no, no. 
you want to right now start thinking about how great this is that he feels like he can share this and how there's nothing. Do you think there's something he's going to tell you? You don't already know. I mean, really? And she's like, well, no. And she knows her issues, you know? And I said, so just being that it's going to be great. And I want you to go in the session and speak first and say to him, I have an intention of listening to you. I want you to feel heard. I'm going to listen like I'm wrong. I'm going to just really be here for what you're telling me. And I want you to know that. And so they have their session and apparently, and then I meet with her next week. And she said at, at the end of the session, they were talking about like kind of debriefing and it went really well and they were debriefing. And he said to her, you know, it really disarmed me when you said that, like all of his was gone, just gone. So just stating your intention like that, just going in with it, uh, going in with the clarity and you feel different. And so remember that 11 million versus 50 million bits, right? People pick up on that. Wow, this person really wants to connect with me. They really want to hear me. And and for you, Alex, it's going to be saying the truth. Like, I'm really anxious. I my Actually, we have to talk right now now because now my stomach's upset. And now I don't want to wait. And let's just talk. I'm saying I'm anxious, but I'm really, I'm here for you. Like, we're mm-hmm. going we're gonna to work this out because we do. That's what we do. We work this out. And then you have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, Abby, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And when I'm drinking it, I feel relaxed I and fe- refreshed. It's so refreshing. It's so relaxing. And when you're skipping the booze, it never feels good when you feel like you're missing out on your social life. But with Seedlip Spirits, you don't. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, so Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grill 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with Splash of Tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails like the one that Shane and I typically make on Saturday nights. And you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on Instagram at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com and use the promo code ThisFamilyTreat. 10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and this family tree tent. And we are also supported by... Tushy. The future of toileting has arrived. Finally. (laughs) All right, it's technically been around for centuries, but it's been hideously expensive, costing thousands. However, the brand new Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment is here to level the playing field. It's stylish, it's eco-friendly, it's easy to install, and it's so affordable. So the Hello Tushy 3.0 doesn't just cleanse your butt with a precise stream of fresh water, it cleanses itself. What? So before and after it's used, the Smart Spray automatic self-cleaning nozzle cleans the tushy thing on its own. I don't know the technology, but it's pretty amazing. And the whole bidet attaches to your existing toilet and requires no electricity or additional plumbing. And Shane, one of our favorite things, it cuts toilet paper use by 80%. Oh my goodness. We Love our tushy. It's the favorite thing in the house besides the kids, of course. It just, I I barely use toilet paper. It's like two pats and I'm done. Whereas before it was like a whole roll. I'm not proud to admit that. (laughs) So essentially, it pays for itself in a few months. It does pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with Hello Tushy, you barely wipe it all. You just poop, spray, dry, and go. And the sanitation, of course, with this is simple. There is a 
this is the official name, the Schmutz Shield, which offers easy cleaning and Schmutz, I think. Schmutz, Schmutz. Schmutz. Schmutz Shield. And all the knobs are naturally antimicrobial. So if you've already got a tushy on your pot, well, do what we're gonna do and we're gonna upgrade to the new 3.0 model. And if you're new to the revolution, join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now and have a clean butt with every flush. Go to hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree for 10% off your order and free shipping on the Tushy Bidet, which is only $79. This offer is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree for 10% off. Everyone has an ass and everyone deserves a Tushy. <laughs> Sorry. But now back to our interview with Abby. I, I find with us too, if we're having a disagreement it sometimes comes down to someone thinking they've won or lost the and that there becomes a fear there and alex has this idea that she never wins an argument and i'm always like ah i don't look at it like someone's winning but it must be me doing something though in my argument to make it feel like I'm winning or I'm just pointing out too many faults. So, well, I can I can elaborate no. just from my perspective. So I feel like I will, uh, I can see, like when he explains himself, I will try to see from his point of view and I will really get that. Yet when I try to explain my point of view, he I feel like, this might not be true, but I feel like he has a harder time seeing things from my point of view or seeing why I'm upset about something or seeing why I have like an ongoing issue with something, whereas I get yours. You know what I mean? So that's how I feel because I think that you're also better at explaining yourself in arguments because I, I have that fleeing mentality. So I'll like freeze up and I sputter and then I think of things and I don't want to say them or I think of things two hours after the fact. So I think because, <laughs> because you're better at explaining yourself, I can better see your point of view. But because I'm so bad at it, you have a hard time seeing my point of view. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This is every okay. couple. Yeah. Well, first of all, you, you, you think of things two hours later because yeah. your amygdala is Remember what yeah. I told you? Yes. It's working when you're not even thinking of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's always there. So I will tell you this. You, have you ever painted a room? Yes. I haven't. Painted but a room? <laughs> okay. She's the painter. Yeah. I know she has. Yeah. There you go. So you know how it, and, and I've, I've never painted one until a few years ago and I hate it because it's all prepped. Mm -hmm. It's all prep. It's not the painting takes two minutes, the mm -hmm. prep, the taping and the thing and the edges and the thing it is the tarps, the Pain laying the out, ass. the not getting things dirty. It takes you so long to prep. And then the painting goes really well. If you've prepped correctly, this is every conversation. When you guys are going in, I, first of all, I don't want you to have arguments. That means somebody does lose and somebody wins. So right. you're having discussions. You, you really do have to label it. I know it sounds like semantics, but it's not. Your brain is mm -hmm. keying into that, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're having an argument, then someone is going to win and someone is going to lose. Or we're both going to, you know. So just right there. But prep the room. So first things first, is this, hey, is this a good time to talk? I have some stuff I want to talk to you about. Do you have time right now? You ask permission, which, by the way, uh, signals the prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. and shuts mm -hmm. off the amygdala. Little hack. Little hack. Okay. But the next thing is questions, 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 questions. Remember no, no sack, no suggestions, advice, or criticism. Right. Oh, no criticism. You're not doing this. I don't like this. I don't, you know, I think it should be this way. That's criticism. Oh, so you don't do any of that in a discussion. No. Okay. 
<laughs> Instead, well, I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> it's okay. We love you. <laughs> uh, it's uh, and you know I did a whole podcast episode on how to listen without getting butt hurt, and it's been like blown up bigger than anything. But you know it's I need this. To hear that. It's, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Come, you come listen. I'll drop you. I'll send you the email link later. So, but here, so it is, first of all, asking permission. Second of all, when you go in, you need to be curious about the other side. You have to listen like you're wrong. You, you can't go in with like, this is the way, and I have to get her to see what I'm thinking, or mm. I have to get him to see what I'm thinking. No, you remember the triangle. You're mm. not trying here. You're not, you're, you're going here. I have to, maybe there's things I'm, I have a blind spot about around this. Maybe there's things I don't understand. I probably, you love each other. It's so obvious you're adorable together. Um, <laughs> you know, you are, you're like delicious little couple, right? So that's so clear. I, I'm sure I would chew on your girls like nobody. <laughs> uh, it's right. And so there's that. So we don't want to win over mm. each other. You, you really don't want any of that energy yeah. around. And you really do want to problem solve. You know, I hope that you have your best interests of your partner at heart. Mm -hmm. So even if I say, even if I go like, I feel when you did that, it was wrong. Like I shouldn't even approach it like that with a very like, I know. no, okay. I know. Oh, wow. I, and I talk about the, I feel statement a lot. I do. I use that exercise with people. I think it's even on my Instagram. Uh, you know, I feel when you mm -hmm. and I need, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, but don't start there. Hey, how did you think uh, it went yesterday when we were, you know, talking about your mom business? How, what was your take on that? Be curious, but you can't bullshit. You have to be curious. You have to really go, did I miss something? This person is my biggest yes. So why would I think she's out to get me unless she feels really threatened? Oh, I don't want her to feel threatened. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Do, do you see where it starts yep. to go? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really not... There's three things that build trust in a relationship. It's, and you have to have all three. And the problem people uh, make is that they sort of pick one, <laughs> but you, you need to like make sure they're all there. And one is goodwill, this idea of goodwill that you believe your partner has your best interests at heart. And then, uh, and then there's integrity, meaning that your partner says, when they say they're gonna do something, they do it, right? You can count on them to do things. And then competence that when they do something, they do it well, right? Those are the three. If one of them is missing, you don't have trust. Your trust is broken. And it's really is, uh, I don't say you don't have trust, sorry. It, it's not full. And, and so you're, you know, cause I really do see trust on a continuum. But a lot of times people will trust their partner not to cheat on them, but they wouldn't trust them like not to maybe have some secret money right. <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a continuum, but I really, I always tell couples, you have to think of those three. So when you say to your partner, hey, I'm going to do this thing, and you either do it half-assed or don't do it, you're breaking, it's a dent. And like, it's just another dent. And those dents really add up. Like, you really have to keep your word. You really, and if you can't do it when you said you would, you need to say why. You know, you need to come back and you take responsibility and go, I said I was doing that thing and uh, I lied. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to lie. Like I'm super optimistic. I'm like off the charts on optimism scales. So my problem is I think I can do everything. 
So I say yes way too much. And so Gary knows. He's like, here we go. So, <laughs> and he, and we've had a lot of stuff around this where he's like, please don't tell me you're going to do something if you're not going to do, you know, because he's like, he's ex Navy, man. He's like, you know, you show up, you have your word, and that's what you have, you know? And so it was a lesson hard learned in the beginning of our relationship. Yeah. Like, because I'm like, yeah, I'll try to get to it. I think I can. Yeah, I think. And then I couldn't. And I was like, oh, sorry. I feel like you bugged our house because this is exact. That's exactly how I am. And I'll take on, you know, 50 tasks in a day. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. No problem. Or because I don't want to say no, or I don't want to say I don't think I can do it because I'm scared of disappointing Shane, even though I know he won't be disappointed. He'd just be like, okay, cool. Like, I know that. Yet I still say yes to all these things. And then which gives me like a trust issue. And Alex only really considers trust to be about monogamy yeah i don't think she respects trust in any other capacity except for are you faithful or not can i trust you in that way whereas if she doesn't do a task she doesn't care if she said she did it because Mm -hmm. that's not breaking trust because that's like a frivolous trust like that's not i'm not cheating on you don't worry i just didn't do those 10 things you asked me to do so that that's a big issue i find for us and that's like it's 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 weird and it might be weird for people listening i honestly it's hard for me to see that being a trust issue. Like I know. Yeah. I know it is, but it's hard for me to see that as being a trust issue. Yeah. yeah. So if you believed it was a trust issue. If only there was someone to tell her. <laughs> <laughs> well, if a relationship maven who has all the research and all the experience told you that those are the three pillars of trust. I did a whole podcast on it. You can listen. Uh, you know, if those are the three pillars of trust, because they are, mm-hmm. and that's what you have to get, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like, and for me that I have the same thing. I was like, what's the big deal? I, you mm-hmm. know, I do most of the things I say, <laughs> you know, I do the vast majority. <laughs> Why are you thinking at the little things? I don't, I have great, my intentions are the bomb <laughs> and my follow through, not always, mm-hmm. you know? And so I will say though, he helps me. So when I am, we just did a potluck a couple weeks ago. We were at this potluck and, you know, right. I, and I'm a great cook. I'm the bomb. Like my dad was a chef. I love to cook. I love to like love up the people in my life with food. That's like my thing. And so I had, I don't know, 27 dishes planned. And he was like, like, you're, you're committing to too much, you know, come on, let's, let's really talk about this. And he, I say to him, but I love this. I love to do it. And he's like, I know you love it. And he has to say this every time, like I'm like I'm a toddler because I just he's like, but you will get crazy and then you get controlling and impatient and then we will. Right. And then you'll be shut for time and then you'll snap at people like me and then it's not good. And right. And I have to literally hear it every time. But he and he says it with a lot of love and not judgment. And that's the difference. He goes, I know you love to love people. I love this about you. You're the best, you know, and how can we love them less, you know, and he'll sort of joke and it keeps it light. And so I can go, all right, all right, what can I get rid of? You know, I'll make 19 dishes, you know, I still overdo it, but it's not. And he, he embraces that because that's part of me. You know what I mean? And, and he helps me. So I would really want Shane to like help you with that when you have too much on or not even asking, knowing you always say yes. Do you know what I'm saying? And trying to figure out another way of approaching it. Again, if you don't always go to each other when you need something, if instead you think of other ways, other systems in place, you know, there's a hundred things you can do. You stop, you really stops a lot of that. You, you, 
you, you, you don't set your partner up so much because it becomes so hard to say it is. It's, yeah, we ended up sitting down and having her download an app called AnyDo, which is like a task app. So then it keeps it written down because mm. you're not trusting it to memory. And then I realize it's not her doing it intentionally. So mm-hmm. yeah. writing things down for me helps so much because I that's the thing I can't remember things and then add the lack of sleep and it's like mm-hmm. even the memory I would have. It's just, it's shot. So we're working on systems a lot. Like everything's helping like the morning naps, you know, just little things like that. Systems, yes. It's all about the system. One gold thing, if you really want to change that thing is instead of having a to-do list, schedule it. Yeah. Yeah, a time, yeah. Yeah. That's the game changer. Mm -hmm. To-do lists suck your soul. The research shows that they're not good for us mental health wise because we never finish them. But if you schedule things in a day, like you scheduled me today, you know, you would schedule in the calls, you would schedule in the things. It's what I do. I look like a crazy woman on my schedule and, but I'm not, it makes me not crazy. So I know I'm not going to get to something for two weeks or for three weeks or the garage is in July. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Yep. No, and I think that's important. And that was a big system for us at the beginning of quarantine. We got really into scheduling and like we were even scheduling intimacy you know, weekly and things like that, just because it was so easy to not do because we were so tired and things like that. And like my parents would walk in the house and they'd see, you know, whatever on the schedule and it was getting embarrassing. But then low job on the schedule. (laughs) We weren't so explicit. (laughs) But um, then it it got no, no, no. I just mean in our writing, but even that sounded bad. Oh, my God. But uh, then it you know, other systems developed out of that. Like then we started having, and we didn't even need to schedule it because it became inherent. Just date nights are every Wednesday. And then we also have like, you know, that's like our official date night. And then we have like other nicer times throughout the week because then you just get in the habit of, you know, doing these things and spending more quality time and things like that. And all of that has really, I'd say, upped our happiness levels during this pandemic. And the question I want to end on is I was reading, I forget what I was reading um, of yours, but you were talking about happiness being a skill. And I just wanted to ask how it was a skill and how, how we can hone yeah. that skill. Well, so let me just say this. So happiness, motivation, they are states, not traits. They are states of being. People aren't motivated. People aren't happy. People aren't angry. They have moments of those things. So Everything, effective listening, (laughs) learning to say no, setting boundaries, and really taking on happiness, those are skills. So, and like any skill, when you suck at it in the beginning, and then you get better and better the more you practice. So that's the beauty of it. And so absolutely, and I'm not talking about severely depressed people and clinical severe depression. So I just want to be clear, right? There's a, but that's a very small subgroup. But in general, it really is about what you decide. And so as things are happening, again, you can kind of, you know, put it through sort of either lens uh, all the time. But what I say is this, the way, the easiest way to do it, the best way to develop the skill is to watch your momentum. So when you wake up in the morning, you're the freshest you're going to be for the day. (laughs) You're the most willpower. This is your best time, believe it or not. And what happens is people will think negative, they'll let their brains be negative and and run around like a toddler, you know, having a tantrum all day. And then at like four o'clock, they realize they feel bad. And 
they want to drink or smoke some pot or eat food they shouldn't, or they they're snapping at their partner. It's too late. <laughs> you so if you if a car is on top of a hill and it starts to roll and you want to stop it, you don't run to the bottom of the hill to stop it. And that's what you're doing when you wait till four o'clock. So you want to, you know, be at the top of that hill all day and you want to pay attention to that all day long. We will plan everything, right? This today, our schedules, weddings, parties. And what we should plan is the most important thing in our lives, which is our feelings. Plan how you're going to feel. And that's really setting intention. I have a YouTube video on the 18 second shift, I call it, because I've timed it because I'm nutty and it takes 18 (laughs) seconds on average. And that moment, so when I drive home, for example, my home is not this neat. I'm in my (laughs) office. Uh, You know, when I drive home, I stop the car and I, it takes, again, if you don't have less than 20 seconds, I can't help you. So, (laughs) you know, but take yourself and I stop the car. I don't even put the car in park. That's how quick this is. I keep my phone on the brake and I just close, I park down the street so that, you know, people aren't running out and seeing me. And I close my eyes and I just, I take just one breath, nothing special. I just kind of do a breath. And then I picture the door closing on my day. I, sometimes I picture clients like trying to get around the side. <laughs> I picture this whole door closing. And then I set an intention for how I want to be as I walk in the house. Because if I'm on autopilot, I am controlling I am impatient. I am like, who's got the dinner? What's dinner? Who's done their homework? What's going, you know, I'm on task, right? Mm -hmm. And people don't like that for some reason when I'm (laughs) controlling. So instead I'm like, and usually I set intention. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to really be fun, be fun, fun parent. And I walk in the door with that. And I will tell you this, my, my son will literally say to me, did you not stop the car today? When I forget to do it and it pisses me off. So of course I lie and I go, yes, I did. I stopped the car. How dare you question me? Uh, but he, they can tell from my energy and you know, cause we pick up on people's energy all the time. And so if imagine before we had this podcast, I jumped up and down here in my office and I got my energy up and I was really like, mind it. I want to be a service. I want people to walk away feeling really inspired. Um, I really want to connect with you. I just loved you guys, you know, on the podcast. I was like, I, I really want to connect with them. They seem so yummy. And that's what I did. And hopefully you felt all that, you know, Absolutely, because yeah. that's what I brought in very, very intentionally. Mm-hmm. It takes seconds and it changes how I feel. So if you want to be happy, start setting an intention. So, you know, you're going into, I went into a meeting the other day with some guys who were kind of arguing. It's this team I'm working with and they're sort of a pain in the ass. And I realized I was dreading it. And I went in and I told them, I said, I was kind of dreading this. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like the, the consultant they've called in, right? To help. And I said, I was kind of dreading it. You guys can kind of be a downer. And they were all staring at me. And I said, so I'm saying intention now that we're all going to leave feeling that this was mutually beneficial. You're going to feel heard. You're going to feel really inspired by something here and you're going to take it right. I did this whole thing. And then I went around, I said, and what is your intentions? You know, and we sort of did it. And sure enough, the meeting went great. It was the best meeting we'd had. You know, there is an energy to it. You want people to calibrate to you. You don't want to calibrate to other people's bad mm-hmm. moods. You want them. You want to be the dominant vibration in the room. I'm going and to try. Other people will come to you. <laughs> they will come to you warming their hands on the fire because it feels really good and you will feel better. And it will help you see things, believe it or not, more realistically, because you're not engaging that amygdala. So you really want to practice this skill. I feel like Alex is really good at this already. Yeah. 
Ooh. She's an optimist. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> no, I, I got, I gotta, I gotta do this. No, I think, I think you, that you is, gotta do this thing. That's such a good but tool. You can do it together. You can do it together when you wake up. And I would even say to you, so what you want to do. So for you, especially Shane, you don't want to like wake up and go, I'm so happy. You know, it's not mm-hmm. puppy dog tails and rainbows. You're mm-hmm. friggin' tired. You're up all night, whatever. <laughs> what I do want you to do is right in bed, right. As you're waking up. Okay. Just right there. I want you to grab and put a note on your alarm, whatever you have to do, a sticky around. And I want you to appreciate truly not gratitude. Gratitude is BS. It's out there. It's not, I'm grateful for my house. It's nothing. You don't feel that. What you feel is, oh, these sheets are so great. I feel so warm. It feels so good to, you know, for me this morning, I was like, you know, I'm cuddled up on Gary's back, you know, mm-hmm. it, he's like a heater. That man's a heater. <laughs> so, you know, and I was really appreciating how calm I felt and how nice that felt. Or uh, so I'll look at a picture of the two of us on vacation. I'm like, I'm appreciating that we had that time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting myself in that state. And so do that. Cause for you, Shane, I can already tell if you go too far, with the positive stuff, you're going to, it's not going to, it's your BS meter is going to go off. And it's not going to yeah. feel good. Yeah. That's so, yeah, I know. So you want to, <laughs> you want to really just, I call it the next best feeling thought, like just the next, not like life's great, you know, but wow, it's really nice. I'm eating something and I'm hungry and I'm really appreciating that right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So pare it down just to the now instead of this like grandiose thing. Gotcha. Okay. Just the now I'm telling you, it'll, it'll work for you. Yeah. No, I, th- I think those are two, you know, a couple amazing tools to end with. And I think that is something that everybody, regardless of where they're at in life, what kind of relationship they're in, I think that is something that everybody can take with them. And Abby, I want to thank you so much for that. Um, because I know that, you know, Shane and I gleaned so much from this and I know the listeners will too, but where can they go to find you, find your books, everything, your, podcast. your, your podcasts, your speeches, podcasts, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the podcast is everywhere. We were on CNBC uh, last year as top 10 podcasts to watch. What's it called? Uh, you know, be listening to, if you're not watching. It's called Relationships Made Easy. Um, and so we were below Brene Brown. Like, she doesn't have enough. Like, I couldn't be above <laughs> Brene Brown. Anyway, um, but I'm not going to hate on Brene because we all love her. Yeah. So uh, my website is where everything lives, abbymedcalf.com. And it's M-E-D as in Donald, C-A-L-F. So abbymedcalf.com. And the the podcast is everywhere, though. Pandora, Spotify, I think, you know, it's everywhere you get a podcast um, and the book. But everything, you know, books on Amazon. It's, uh, but you can just go to the website and it's all there. And my podcast is is completely free. There's no sponsorship. I It's my give. So my idea is that if you can't afford therapy and it's accessible to all, um, and we're in, coming into our fourth season and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, we're international. It's great. It's, it's, I, it's my greatest joy. It's one of the things I'm really proudest of. And, um, you will, if you liked me today, you will love the podcast because it's just me blabbering, <laughs> you know, the top ways to beat FOMO. You know, what are we talking yeah. about today? Yeah. You know, trust the three pillars of trust. And I always have action tips because, you know, it's nice to talk about stuff, but unless you can put it into action, I'm not sure what you're doing. Um, so I'm always about like one win you can take away. Mm. Well, Abby, no, truly you are so warm. You are so practical and I, I really love how you present information. So thank you so much for sitting with us today. That was awesome. So fun.
Oh, it was great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was totally what I expected it to be. It was oh, great. Good, yeah. Yeah. So nice meeting you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, Abby. Bye, Abby. That was Abby. She is wild. I love how she approaches issues. I love how she helps kind of make you see the root of problems. Like, you know, when she was talking about communication, not being the actual thing and everything about her was so much fun and so invigorating in a sense. And I just, I think that she brings such a unique perspective to relationships and to viewing how to kind of work on things. Agreed. But now we have our next guest, and this is a special guest for us because we are having problems at nighttime, Mm -hmm. and we are desperately looking to have both children be in the same room. What's that called? Co-sleeping together? Uh, Room sharing. Room sharing. Yeah, I think it could also be called co-sleeping, right? Probably. No, I think co-sleeping is when you're in the same bed. Like when you like co-sleep with a with like a baby or you know how like I was okay. co-sleeping with Betty for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that would yeah. be a bit of a nightmare, I guess, if Lou and Betty were in the same crib together. Babe, like it would be possible death every minute. Who do you think would win in a fight, Lou or Betty? Lucy is Andre the Giant. What do you mean? She's... Like she's like well, she's like so big compared to Betty. She's so like l- lumbersome, hunkering. Like she's so like uh, and could just like crush you with a fist. Oh, okay. That's what you mean. (laughs) But before we get to our interview with sleep expert Amanda Jusen, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best bras. I used to just say nursing bras, but they make the best bras that you can get. Their nursing bras are so easy to use. They're just fast. I hate fiddling around that stuff, but with the Bravado Designs ones, I just, I get it really quick. It keeps me comfortable. It keeps baby well-fed. As a man who hates fiddling around with bra straps, take my word for it, these are simply (laughs) the best. And Bravado Designs recently came out with their everyday collection. So this is a collection of bras that are not nursing bras. They have no clips. They are for anybody who likes to wear bras or has boots. And you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we are also supported by... My Breast Friend. Is that B-R-E-S-T, Alex? You know it is, Shane. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. For more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birth hospitals worldwide to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. I don't like to say I get addicted to things, but I'm addicted. Honestly, when I when I don't use it, especially with Lucy, I got a really bad pain in my arm. I don't know what I was doing. It was like a pinched a nerve, but it really helped ease that. It really helped make things more comfortable and it made me a more confident breastfeeder. It's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. You can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. But now let's get to our interview with Amanda Jusen. I'm really excited to talk about this. I get a lot of, like, I'm sure you guys are experiencing a lot of anxiety about this. And uh, in modern life, this is just kind of a requirement, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, You know, I am so happy. And Amanda, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. And this is something, of course, we're going to kind of zero in on, you know, I want to touch on transitioning to a big bed, 
but we're going to zero in on room sharing with kids. Mm-hmm. And this has been something that has, oh my God, I've been losing sleep over it. Like I'm sitting oh. there at 3 a.m. researching it and it really makes me nervous, but it's something I want to do. And I know I can do it because, you know, I look back and like I hear stories from my grandmother living in Poland. There were like five kids in one bed, the <laughs> parents right next door. And, you know, like they lived in a freaking living room in a farmhouse and they yeah. managed to get sleep. So I know it's yeah. possible. But it's hard. But Amanda, before we begin, tell our listeners, who are you and how did you get into infant sleep? My name is Amanda Jusen. I'm an infant and child sleep specialist. I don't really know how this happened. I was actually (laughs) speaking to someone this morning about this, who she's also an entrepreneur and runs her own business. And uh, she's being interviewed for something. And they were like, what sort of affirmations do you do? And how long did you plan for this to happen? And she's like, do I answer honestly? Or do I tell them? (laughs) Like, do I I make something better? And I feel like that's totally what happened in that I just really like sleep truly and honestly. And anyone who knows me or has known me is kind of like chuckling because I was the only kid in high school who didn't have a curfew because I wanted to go home to bed. Like I was like, no guys, I'm cool. I want to go to sleep. So it, it all kind of tracks. And then I was pregnant, we got pregnant and two different people, I told this story a million times, but two different people from different parts of my life reached out to me personally to be like, Hey, Amanda, we know how much you love sleep and babies don't, and you should really look into that. And I was like, Oh my God. So, well, you know, people are obsessed with nurseries and like baby clothes. I read every single baby sleep book. I immersed myself into it and I started right away. I mean, I like to think that it's all my kids are good sleepers because I'm amazing, but I also had like chilled out babies as well that allowed that to happen. So sometimes I really want, like I've worked with like thousands of babies and in families and I know that I was lucky. And sometimes hearing that story as a parent, it's really annoying. Cause you're like, yeah, I also read all the baby books and I am also doing all those things. And my kid wakes up every hour on the hour. That's very frustrating. And I honor that. And, uh, Yes, it it can be very frustrating. So yes, I I had my kids. They were good sleepers. I started to become a person that people were kind of calling to be like, hey, your kid sleeps. What what did you do? And I was like, well, this is what I did. And then I became this kind of like fake sleep consultant because I didn't know what a sleep consultant was. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't really a thing all those seven years ago. And then uh, I had my second child, again, another good sleeper. With the first, I didn't take a full mat leave. I went back at four months because I was a teacher. I had a wonderful job opportunity. We hired a caregiver and it all went really well. But for my second, I was like, great, I'm going to take a full mat leave. This is awesome. And all of my mat leave friends were like falling like flies be like, I'd meet them at the, you know, workout class that I was at back when you could go outside and do things <laughs> all, all the way back then, you know, I'd meet this person and they'd stop coming to the workout class because their child wasn't sleeping. And it, it, I had a close friend of mine as well, kind of lose herself in this sleep world. And she hired a consultant and I was like, what is this? What is this sorcery? And, and in that year, two of my friends had kind of asked me for advice on what to do. I told them they hired sleep consultants. And then I was like, can you just send me what they sent you? And it was all this stuff that I was saying. So I was like, I should do this. So I kind of, I trained 
I thought I was going to do it on the side. I really love teaching, but within a year, I was just overwhelmed with business Money. and, yeah. and like, it, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Honestly, it was totally unexpected. My goal was I said to my husband, Hey, if I have a client a month, we'll put that money away. We'll go on a baller vacation. Oh my God. Our life would be so amazing. And then by December. So like I trained in May, I hustled my whole summer break off. And then by September I had to raise my prices because I couldn't handle the intake by December. I was like, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. This is too much. I'm going to have to leave at the end of the year. And then since then, it's just been like what it is. Yeah. Good for you. That is amazing. Thank you. That is so cool. And you know, talking about your friends and your mom groups dropping like flies, I feel like I became one of those people. So I, I got outside and I did something every single day, but I mean, I was closer, you know, like four months in when that regression hit, I was starting to only go to the coffee things because of coffee and the brewery meetups because you could sip a beer and commiserate and talk about all the sleeplessness and anything that was workout based. I I truly stopped going to because I was like, I don't have the freaking energy like it's just it's not worth it for me. Give me a drink in my hand, whatever it is, and then. I'll chill, I'll relax and I'll do that. And, you know, it became okay. Like we got a handle on it with our first and she became a really good sleeper. And now we put her to bed six o'clock. She, you know, she doesn't go to sleep all the time right away, but she sleeps until 630 the next morning. We try to leave her in the crib until seven. Sometimes we get away with it. Uh, And then Betty, our youngest, you know, she's, it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss. But Betty is currently, she's almost 10 months old. Oh my god! I feel like you just had her. I feel like I just had her too. Yeah. I don't. Oh my I don't god. get that. That's crazy. Yeah, it freaks me out. <laughs> and so right now she's sharing a room with Shane and I. All right, because we have other bedrooms, but they're on a different floor, and I just I don't want to put the toddler on a different floor than us. I just don't feel comfortable. I'm so tired of sharing a room with her. This is not something we did with Lucy. She was in her own crib in her own room night one from the hospital, so I'm not used to this. When can we start? having them share a room. I know what happens, but what is a good age to, you know, actually go for it? So number one, I love the name Betty. Thank good. You. <laughs> most importantly. Um, yeah. Most importantly, that's, that's what we need to focus on. So I guess my question is your first. I want to know how well she's sleeping. Like, it sounds pretty good. Are there any inconsistencies there? Like, is she ever up, like doing crazy things in the middle of the night often? I mean, kids are kids are going to do that a little bit, but. No, once in a while. So it might take her a while to fall asleep. But after that, she's good. Sometimes she will wake up at like 5 a.m. and think she's up. And then I go in and sing her a couple songs, put her to bed, let her cry for five minutes. And then she's out until, you know, seven and or her, whatever. She doesn't know how to poop and potty yet. So she only poops at night yeah. or during nap time, which is just basically quiet time because she's not really napping. Uh, so, yeah. So if it's a nighttime poop, that will wake her up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And fair enough, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When it happens to me, I'm up right away. (laughs) I have a joke for that, but it's not the place. Okay. So I think that it sounds like your oldest is sleeping well, which is what I am looking for first, because if the oldest is up, that's what, who we need to worry about. Is she still in a crib? Yes. And this is a part of it because I wanted to ask about those transitions and 
whether I do them at the same time or hit one, like the crib to the bed before the other, something like that. So yeah. Yeah. Does she have any interest in leaving the crib? Um, she tried she, to crawl out once, but then got scared because I think she fell out and it hurt. Yeah, she she oh, did yeah. climb out of the crib once and fell. Uh, she has she likes the idea of being a big girl, but she's not obsessed with her own bed. Okay, okay, that's good. Can you remind me of her exact age? Mm-hmm. Like months? She'll be three in May twelfth. Okay, okay, um, okay. So my rule of thumb there, so I'll, I'll kind of answer this in two parts. So number one, with the, the crib and uh, bed transitions, it's funny because I started my business uh, four, five years ago. I don't know what year it was, five years ago. And now all of my kids are like transitioning to beds. So this is like the question of my <laughs> season right now. I'm not a huge fan of transitioning just for the sake of transitioning. Having a child outside of their bed is a really big responsibility for them. And it is overwhelming amount of freedom. And meaning that it doesn't always necessarily feel good for them to have that freedom. Children under three lack impulse control. So they can be little darlings. And I know this professionally and personally, okay? I really struggled with my first. She's an amazing baby sleeper. She got to toddlerhood. She's like, let's play ball. I'm <laughs> making up for all that time. So she really struggled with the idea that new baby came. She hopped out of her crib. She didn't get the message that, ow, oh, this hurts. She kept doing it. So it did become a, a safety issue. Uh, we had to put her in a bed. And in that case, I think that you're you're sort of limited in your options, right? We have to weigh the pros and cons, and it's not safe for children to be hopping out and smashing their faces. So on that same note, I immediately, if you're kind of forced into that, I would move to a situation where you are recreating the room in a, uh, a to a crib. So that means we safety proof the heck out of it. We fasten everything to the walls, you mount everything. And we're basically, you know, moving those parameters out, but we have to have something where they can't open the door, whether that's like a safety knob thing, uh, whether that's a lock, people don't like the word lock. I know, listen, but if we, if we reframed it, like we're literally taking the child out of a cage, right? Like we're moving from a cage to a room and we're recreating the same sort of environment. An expanded cage. It's an expanded cage. Exactly. (laughs) And you know, the way I look at it, it, at, our house. And this isn't the case for everyone. If you live in a bungalow or uh, a condo, it's not so much of a safety risk, but there is a safety risk of a child jumping out in the middle of the night, wandering around. It That gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'm not willing to go there. So we, we recreated that room into the crib, which is if you needed to make that transition with her age, it's probably where I would go. After three, you might get into the the idea of uh, some negotiations there in terms of not locking the room. And that might come up when she's potty trained overnight. She needs to go pee. You want to give her access to the bathroom. Okay, wait, can I? Can I not? Because I was thinking about this uh, because that is something I got to work on too. So it's like I have three major transitions coming at me within the next six months, right? Could I not put like a little pee potty in her bedroom? So she doesn't have to leave because we have one of those little, you know, the locks or whatever we want to call it to not sound cruel. We have one of those ready for when we do this. So is that like, can I do that? 
I think that's totally possible. The only thing, and it's never happened to me, we did do that. We put a little pee potty, is some kids will be like, we pee and play with it. So you might have to have some (laughs) parameters around pee play and that it's, you can go pee, but then you leave it alone. The other thing is if she is pooping overnight, it might not be the most sanitary of situations. But I do suspect that once you're at the point of potty training overnight, the poo will come. That will be a daytime thing because your body doesn't actually like to do anything in the middle of the night, most of all poo, unless it really has to. So that should that should uh, get better. So yes, that's also an option um, if it's safe to do so. After three, you might want to think about discussing boundaries, like rewards or consequences. You know, this is what you'll get if you stay. Uh, you know, this is what we'll have to do if you leave. And mostly it's as easy as I'm going to have to shut the door if you leave because it's not safe. You're four. It's not safe for you to be out and about. And usually that that pretty much does the trick. If you don't like just with development, it's not that their kids are bad, but kids like at around like three and under, they just like, they can look you in the eye and be like, I'm not going to come into your room. I won't. I love you. And I want that special treat in the morning. And then it's like 3am and they're like, I literally, I can't control myself. I must see mom and dad. I love them so much. They're amazing. And then they're out. So I would recreate in your situation, I'd recreate the crib sphere this is just jumping ahead sorry i just had a question like probably too far ahead but uh when does the cage lift like when is it just like okay you're free to do whatever you want in the middle of the night you're just like mom or dad now yeah i mean my kids are i want to say it around four or five they okay. can really get it you can level with them and be like it's not safe i'm gonna have to shut your door and i don't want to do that and you don't and they're like yeah okay that's true like sometimes like my you know, to back up a little bit too, is what we need to know about kids is even once the cage is lifted, even once, you know, they're sleeping amazingly in the crib situation or whatever, once you're in the toddler zone, it's constant boundary pushing up until like 18, I hear. <laughs> so it's it's very common for that, there to be regressions and pushbacks, even if you, you know, lifted the cage don't let it deter you if like things are going well. And then a month later, they're like, Ooh, I'm coming out. No, you just got to set that boundary. No, this is not a boundary. You can't, if it's not a big caveat is to the, all of this is like, there are people listening to this podcast. I'm sure who do have a family bed, don't mind their kids sleeping with them. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. It's just about whatever your boundary is. Right. For me, if my kids sleep with me, it's I'm not sleeping and I'm a bad parent. So Mm -hmm. You just have to remember that you're going to have to reinforce those boundaries often, and that's okay and normal. Okay, yeah. We we don't want them – like, nightmares, whatever. That's fine yeah, when that yeah. thing starts happening. But I do not want it to turn into a family room, family bed. That That's horrible for both of us, and we will be yeah. disasters. Like – yeah. It's funny. My daughter had tonsil surgery last year and I was very nervous. So for the first time ever, I was like, come sleep in my bed. And after four days, she's like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, back in your bed. <laughs> who, who? I guess it's like makes sense that, you know, you are my daughter. You're not at all interested in sleeping with me. It makes sense. <laughs> so then, yes, part two to your question. Mm-hmm. If, if everything, uh, what's your older daughter's name again? Lucy. Lucy. Sorry. 
Lucy. Okay. Another great name. Um, So uh, Lucy, is she sleeping well and she's doing well in a crib or in a bed? I think that you can start whenever you want. So Mm -hmm. our girls are the exact same age that uh, your girls are when we move them in together. My, my husband travels quite frequently for work. He's in mining. So he's always on a plane somewhere. And we had a nanny who lived with us. So in order to give her her own space and room, our girls needed uh, to, to sleep together. So when she arrived, we were like, okay, uh, here we go. And we actually, just the way things worked, we maybe only had a couple weeks notice that she was coming. And so we're like, okay, here we go. So it's not like we had this long trajectory to talk to them. We're like, okay, we got to make this work in two weeks or not. So uh, she came and essentially what we did is we put, I think at the time, it was that the youngest went to bed early than the oldest. So we did bedtime for the youngest first, and then we did a bedtime routine with the oldest in our room, read books, sing songs, and then we you know, talk to her about, okay, when you go in, we're going to whisper and we're going to put you in your bed and I'll say goodnight and then we'll leave. And then that was it. And, and literally it was like, it really wasn't a big deal for us. Now, that being said, as they got older, there are definitely challenges. So what, to your point of Lucy waking up at 5 a.m., mm-hmm. that's that's going to happen. Uh, and she will wake up Betty and, you know, that's just a part of the room sharing thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, People are, you know, in in my line of work, people will call me a lot for their second. And they like, they want me to like work uh, mystical magic work and I'm magic, (laughs) but I'm not this work, not this good. But they're like, how do we sleep train without waking up the oldest? I'm like, well, we need to be okay with the fact that your oldest might wake one night and that's okay. And they will go back to bed because they sleep well. And that's okay. It's like, um, don't let that fear of like all the possible things paralyze you from making a really great decision. Cause now my girls like love sharing a room. They, you know, when, when my daughter had to sleep with me for after her tonsillectomy, like my other daughter was like, I just miss her so much. (laughs) So it is really sweet and, and nice. And, and as they get older, what you're probably going to encounter is like some silliness. So they'll be chatting or they're talking and I would have, I wouldn't crack down super hard on that. I would allow a degree of silliness. Uh, my favorite sleep product ever is a hatch baby rest. They don't pay me, but they should. We just got I, one like just oh, it's so like about a month ago. Oh my God. It's going to change your life. So uh, the reason why I love it is it's controllable from your phone. So you can kind of use it for some behavior stuff, right? So it could be that uh, you say to the girls, okay, so you have 10 minutes of chatting and silliness. And then when this light comes on, it's time for quiet time. So you can maybe have like a pink light for chatting time and then an orange light for overnight or no light, depending on what they need. And then again, if you are struggling with some early morning stuff, you could actually implement a reward for Lucy. Let's say you'll get your favorite breakfast. You'll get pancakes if you stay on until the light. Now let's say day one, you hear her stirring around five, turn on the light right away and start your day. Good job. You waited to the light. So awesome. Oh, of smart. course, she didn't. She didn't, but she gets to experience what that reward feels like. And praise from a parent is like 
the highest thing that we can do for them. So then you do that. And then the next day she stirs at five and then you give it till five ten, And then you turn on like, good job. You did it. And now what we're doing is we're very slowly inching that body clock forward with all of the positive reinforcement. Can you have it go till like noon? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There have been times where uh, we have it set. So the girls get up, they get dressed, they uh, make their beds. They're five and seven, but they make their beds, you know, make their beds. Um, <laughs> and then they come downstairs for breakfast. And like sometimes if like breakfast isn't ready, I'm like, oh, longer time. Okay. <laughs> and it buys me, you know, 10 more minutes. So you can use that still up until five and seven. Like that's not just totally. like for like little, little kids. Wow. This is what I'm saying. Like it, when someone I know has a baby, I buy it for them right away because it's a sound machine. So you're going to use that forever. Then it becomes an okay to wake clock. And then it's just like, it's, it's, yeah, it's an awesome product that will last you forever. And one time they messaged me, they're like, Hey, we upgraded our product and you registered. So they just sent me a new one. Whoa. Mm. It's just such a good company. That's awesome. Yeah, you yeah. got to get a promo code for them. But uh, <laughs> I, know. I know. I think my worry, and it might be different than Alex's, is not Lucy waking up Betty. It's Betty uh, waking up uh, Lucy. And like, what if Betty's just having an absolutely terrible night where she's waking up every hour on the hour and crying for 20 minutes? Isn't that like unfair or something? Like, what do you do in those situations where you just know you're ruining your toddler's next day? <laughs> yeah, let me tell. So the the eighty percent of the time answer, even higher than that, ninety percent is that uh, Lucy will probably sleep through it, and it will blow your mind. There was a time where Nora, my youngest, she was getting her molars in, and Nora is like a perfect angel baby sleeper. I just it, one time, this is the true story. One time, I thought in my head, I've never had any sleep problems with Nora. The next day, she had her eighteen month regression and rejected her nap <laughs> for. Seven days. So I'll never Jinxed do that it, again. Yeah. But Nora, yeah, <laughs> Nora was getting her molar. She was up. I was freaking out. Oh my gosh, she's going to wake up Winnie. And then Winnie didn't move. Like they're going to, they're in pretty deep toddler sleep. So, so it becomes like a white noise for them, the crying almost. They get used to each other's sounds. Yeah. And vice versa. So like if Lucy's having a tough night one night for whatever reason, uh, Betty will probably sleep through it. So it, probably nothing will happen. But let's say that does happen. It's unlikely like it'll be crappy for mm -hmm. the day. If you look at a 365 day year, you are going to have more good days than bad days. And, you know, who's to say that sleeping in separate rooms? they wouldn't wake each other up, right? Which happens all the time as well. So I, it's less of an issue in my personal and professional experience than most people assume it will be. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I just, I want to clarify one thing. So prior to, or for when I have them start sharing a room, should I have Betty, sorry, Lucy in the crib or in the big kid bed? I, I would keep her in the crib as long as humanly possible. Yes, you did ask that. I don't know that it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the downsides would be. I, I don't see there being, um, if a child is not moving their own room and they're not, like if anything, it'll be a good thing, right? She'll see that the baby is in the crib and she is in a big girl bed. I can't see there being any disadvantage to to just waiting it out. You might also be one of those lucky 
people where she just stays in her crib for until she's four and mm. like take no that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, exactly. Is that very uncommon for someone to go until the age of four, like a child? I don't, I don't think it's uncommon. I do see parents and I, and I get this parents want to age their children a little bit to, to meet milestones, right? Like, oh, I want my baby to have solids or I really want my baby to sleep in a bed because I just like it and they're big now. But don't rush it. Like your kid has their own timeline. So I don't know that many kids have the opportunity to show their parents that they want to do it or not. That's not to say, you know, if you've, if you're finding signs of readiness, you know, you can edge them along a little bit and readiness might be like, they're asking for it, or they have questions about a big kid bed. That's fine. But I wouldn't rush it. Mm -hmm. And, and most kids are very happy in their sleep space for a long time. And what are your thoughts on a nap time or a glorified nap time, which is essentially a quiet time? Does that help or hinder? Like, should we stop doing that or? That is a tricky bit that will come with room sharing because uh, I I think that obviously for a little while, Betty will be on a different sleep schedule than Lucy for that nap time. Is is Betty still on two naps? Yeah. Yeah. But they, okay. they, they're both asleep now. Like their afternoon nap is at the same time. Oh, good one. Um, that might be okay. I mean, if they're both uh, going down at the same time, I think that's fine. As you inch into three, as you're probably experiencing, sometimes that nap happens, sometimes it doesn't. You might want to have another room if you have a playroom where she does her quiet time instead. That's what we did. And so we, we also models quiet time because we're nerds. So the girls would go downstairs and be like, and we would say, everyone needs a rest. So you can play quietly in your area. We're going to be here. We're reading books. So for like the first week we do things where I'd say, you know, mommy needs to do a few chores. This is what I'm doing. This is what we do during our quiet time. And as long as they have that space, it's mm -hmm. generally fine. And oh, I, that's a cool idea. Never yeah. even thought of that. And yeah. like, she has a little tent in her playroom too. So I'm wondering if I could even mm. set that up to be, you know, a nap space if she chooses to to nap during quiet time because she's not really in her crib anymore i'd say like once a week yeah. does she actually sleep do you think that's right she might be asleep now actually well she seemed really tired yeah I know. <laughs> um so I, I was curious then you know again honing things down and getting to the age like at what point do you think i should bring betty in there to do this like should i wait until she's like she's 10 months now should i wait until a year should i wait until 15 months i want to do it ideally as soon as possible, but don't I want to screw myself can, over. If they're both sleeping okay, relatively, I think that – is she still waking to feed or do anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So Betty's waking about on, – on an average night three times. And that's new because she went through a regression where she was up until recently where she was waking up like every hour, hour and a half. But she seems to be on three times – roughly enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would maybe wait until the night feeding is over just for Lucy's sake. If it's something that happens every night, let's wait. But if she's not night feeding, when she's not night feeding, she's having a full night um, and her night matches uh, Lucy's pretty consistently, that's when I would do it. So whenever that is for you. Okay. Okay. This is looking good. Season, I, I just, I forget when I did things like Got it, getting rid of the night feeding and everything like that. I'm going to have to go back. So I have a couple questions about this topic from the general community. So how do you prepare for this? How do you prepare for the kids to be room sharing? 
have it, it just really it's about well obviously you need to make sure that you have enough room for both people's furniture in in the space so make sure that your your room is uh big enough and equipped you also you know i see this always everything needs to be kid proofed as much as humanly possible so i would focus on that as well and then it's just about getting on their level preparing them maybe 3 or 4 days ahead this is what's going to happen this is what i'm going to do this is what it's going to look like praise 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 when they are doing it but it it is less it, it's less of an issue than I think people think it is. Like I said, we had like two weeks to prepare and we're like, <laughs> and it was fine. And we haven't looked back since. <laughs> and Okay. So how, how long do you think it'll take the kids to get used to it? And then when do you throw in the towel and be like, this isn't working. I give up. You know what I mean? Like after how many challenges? Yeah. Give it a solid week because it depends on their sleep behavior. Like I said, my kids took to it pretty quickly. They're independent sleepers who fell asleep on their own. Okay, great. So they they just jumped right in. If your kids are older, especially, you might need to account for silliness time. And if they're older, you might also need to have, again, when I talked about consequences, something that, you know, a reward to reward them for, look, you did so awesome. I I don't even like the natural consequences is a, is a better word. Cause I, I hate what it implies, but I think having a, like a boundary is maybe a better word. Like, look, this is what we're going to have to do. Um, we might have to put you back in a crib or, you know, you're not going to, but they might be like, okay, this is serious business. Yeah. I am a week. I, I would say is probably the worst of it. For some kids, especially older kids who are chatting to each other, like give them space to figure that out right? They're just so excited and it feels like, ah, I don't even mind that. Like that's cute. As long as my concern is that they're going to be waking me up. But if they're just chatting amongst each other, I I don't mind that. They might start to wake. I mean, the issue with my kids is that my oldest is an early riser and my other is not. So that can be a pain. And by early rising, she just wakes earlier than her. So that's the worst of it, but they seem to manage. It's always like one of them gets up in the morning. It's like, Winnie woke me up or Nora (laughs) woke me up. And it's okay. If they're generally rested, it's going to be okay. Okay, Amanda, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by the Miku Smart Baby Monitor. The Miku Smart Baby Monitor is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can get your hands on. There's no physical contact and this is one of the things that I always tell my friends about and that I I love about it for myself they use sensor fusion technology which requires no little device that you need to attach to your baby because all the other smart monitors they have that if, if it monitors breathing you might as well have an Atari watching your child if you don't have the new Miku Baby Smart Monitor. <laughs> no, that, that's a really funny comparison, but it is good. And it is nice just to have that, again, with no contact. You don't want things in the crib. And, of course, things like that make me feel very uncomfortable. But it works with your smartphone to alert you of any changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. And, of course, Shane, what can't hackers do? They can't hack in and spy on your baby. Ooh, look at that baby. No, you can't. 
Because we have a Miku. (laughs) The Miku Smart Baby Monitor uses crypto security, which essentially means that there cannot be any hacking. It is a very safe monitor to have in your house. There's amazing HD photo and video, great night vision, like the best we've ever seen in a monitor, and sounds and lullabies and two-way talk. It's a very easy program to use from your phone. Even my mom, if she's ever babysitting, can get the hang of it, and it's so great. So head over to MikuCare.com and use the promo code Family Tree 20 for, get this, $79 off. This is available in the US only, but again, it is mikucare.com and promo code Family Tree 20 for $79 off. No other monitor is a Miku. But now let's get back to our interview with Amanda. So it's okay to throw in the towel. So let's say, worst case scenario, you have to throw in the towel. How, how long after can you try again? If you're going to throw in the towel, I would give it at least a month and have a really good plan. Like what you would want to look for too is like going back to that idea of like kids being out of their bed. Do they have the emotional maturity to do it yet? You might have to wait six months in order for them to have less, uh, you know, or lack of impulse control. We need them to have more of that. Maybe they need to really understand what's happening to, for them to fully grasp the concept. I don't really think, I mean, I know I'm such an optimist. I don't think you'll have to really, it's never happened. I like this. Oh, okay. See, I like this. I like the optimism. I like how calmly you approach this because it's giving me, I hope it's not like a false sense of security, but it's giving me well, she definitely said a she's sense never of heard security. It not happen, so. I know. Yeah. This is amazing. I mean, I, I should say, not my clients. I, I know that there was an instance of a friend of mine who's like, the kids are room sharing. And then, like, the way their bedtimes worked out, they were older, but the one was like mad when she woke up and didn't see her brother in an hour. So they gave it a month and then now they're room sharing. So like worst case, that is the worst I think it can happen. But I have been doing this for, oh God, how many years? Four years. It's really, and, and I am, I am an optimist, but I think like part of this is mindset, what you go into it. And I don't want to just say like, you don't have a strong mind if it doesn't work, but if you are always looking for the negative of this situation, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. But if you go and being like, my grandmother lived in a room with five (laughs) other brothers and sisters, um, in Poland, this is not Poland. This is Hamilton. Uh, they are blessed (laughs) and they are fine. They're going to pick up on, on all that energy. When you go in and you're like, Oh, will this go wrong? Oh, is this, Oh my gosh, what are they, they're going to also pick up on that energy. So it really is like, I think if you go in it, calm, cool, collected, like this is no big deal. This is what kids do. They'll be like, great. This is what kids do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to bed. So the last thing that I really want to kind of ask here so if this is very specific to us we have like a weird extra room crawl space type thing but it's big enough to be a room like I can stand up in it jutting off of Lucy's current bedroom so would it make sense in any world to put Lucy in her crib in there and then like make it like a fort room and then have Betty in the main room or should I just keep I them together? That. Yeah. No, I love that. No, like okay. why not? Like, I think 
like I said, nothing is perfect. My kids wake each other up. But if they had a crawl space nook thing, I would put one of them in there for sure. So they stop waking the other. Maybe the other wakes up, reads a few books until the other is awake. There's less. Well, it's something interesting to that. We used to have the girls like in two cribs, then a bed, and they were always facing each other. So it's really hard to be like, hi, <laughs> and like not wake them up. Yeah. But now they're in bunk beds and it's so much better because they don't know if the other is up. And I think that I think that will definitely help. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. No, I feel so yeah. good about that. And you know, I'll let you know how it goes when we do tackle Please it. Please do. But- Don't stay up at 3 a.m. worrying about sleep problems. <laughs> Just call me. That's, that is the worst thing to hear. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I feel like I don't now only because I just I feel a little bit more at ease. But I will let you know. Uh, and, I, and I do appreciate you sitting down with us today. So if folks, if listeners, everybody's got sleep problems, it's the worst problem you can have as a parent. Where can they go to check you out, check your podcast, everything that you have? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I have a podcast. It's called Slumber Party with Amanda Jusen. And this is essentially what I do on the podcast. I talk to real people about their sleep problems and I tell them what to do. And um, you won podcast I, of the year, by the way. Yeah. We want to throw that in there. You beat us. So, <laughs> you know, we're upset, but we'll accept it. So are losers. <laughs> you, you guys were there. I was not expecting that. I don't know how it happened. I still don't believe it, to be honest. I was in a camouflage sweater, unshowered. It was like this like <laughs> online award show. And they're like, you won. And I was like, how? <laughs> like, I'd like to, anyway, it is what it is. I was shocked. But thank you. So yeah, that that podcast is there. You can. I'm on Instagram. I try to give a lot of goods there because having a sleep consultant is uh, definitely a privilege. So I try to do it again there. If you are looking to uh, work with someone, you can find myself or a member of my team at babiesbestsleep.com, and I'm on Instagram at babiesbestsleep. Amazing. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. Amanda, again, thank you for the knowledge. I do feel better about things, and. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week but thank you for sitting down with us today thank you my pleasure thanks for having me yeah nice to chat to you finally bye amanda i know finally (laughs) bye (laughs) see ya amanda is so good at what she does and i hear about her all the time especially where we live like southern ontario so many people use her and again just really the energy that she has and the positivity that she kind of brings to situations like this combined with like she's not wishy-washy or she's not so um like she's not unrealistic about your expectations and i just think she has a very realistic approach to things and i i loved talking to her about that and honestly i feel so much more chilled out about going forward with the situation do you know what chills me out a lot what when you answer listener questions in our mailbag segment now this is where alex has painstakingly researched your questions answered them and i just kind of sit back listen to the questions chime in if i have anything to say but most of the time i'm just sitting back here twiddling your thumbs learning i like so although a lot of the questions this week anyhow were uh pretty personal there were there was really nothing um so you did no research i i did i did a lot of research for one question everything else is really personal it's it's fun and i kind of like getting to know listeners on that level too and i like it when people you know sometimes people will write me like dm me and they'll chat about some of the q a's that you and i did and tell me stuff about them and honestly it's just a fun way to get to know people but number one How have your date night meals been? Do you have any favorites? So this is from a local listener. 
and day night meals have been pretty consistently bomb like they've been amazing we've had a couple bad ones like what, what was the one we had one bad one when we were uh up in oh my gosh my cottage yeah up at your cottage area which obviously the selection was a little limited what was that place called Michael's. But here's the thing. We've had dinner at Michael's a few times and it's always been great. And then this time we accidentally ordered what food to feed a family of honestly eight. It was like when you go to a buffet and everything's mm-hmm. okay, but you're fine with it because there's so so much food. But on date nights, we want things to be like the best, the creme de la yeah. creme. So that, that didn't work out. It didn't feel very date nighty. And then we also, we had this Italian place in Hamilton that was good the one time and then not great the next. But okay, they're asking about standout out meals. This Maddie, what's it called? Maddie? Oh, Maddie, Maddie's Hot Chicken. Maddie's Hot Chicken is a great hot chicken place, which we fell in love with it so much. We got it three weeks in a row. It's in <laughs> Hamilton. I don't know how healthy it is, but yeah, it's a fried chicken place. So that's kind of like... Mm-hmm. known when you when you're ordering what else do you but like uh, so i gotta say uh shane and i were getting a lot of fried chicken for date nights and like nights you know where we wanted to kind of party during quarantine so we've tried fried chicken sandwiches from like yeah, every there's chicken ray's place. uncle, uncle ray's, ray's amazing very but good maddie's hot chicken probably the best freaking phenomenal so we got what the nashville hot sandwich just in case anybody wants to replicate the order i think we got the nashville hot sandwich with the sauces on the side that way it doesn't if you're getting it delivered it doesn't like soak into the bun Mm -hmm. doesn't get soggy and then um oh okay so there's two awesome appetizers to go with it so one are the pickle tater tots so it's like tater tots with just like pickles and sauce thrown on it it's so crunchy the texture is just really nice and then they're fries. They're Was other it fries. It's like a crinkle cut fry oh. with this Maddie sauce, which is very good. And I'm not really a mayonnaise fan, so it's not like too gross like in that mayonnaise way. It's <laughs> it's that perfect type of sauce that's very delicious that they put on the fries. Uh, you know, it's heavy. And then there's obviously we they have these Krispy Kreme esque donuts that oh we God, ordered the one so time. Good. And you got it. You throw them in the microwave for ten to twelve seconds. Delicious. And then. Our other favorite place, my favorite place, uh, and some of the best Italian food I've had in my life, including in Italy, is called Castelli Cucina, and that's on James Street North in Hamilton. Yeah, that's probably the most date night place to go because oh. it makes date night feel like, even though we're at our home, it makes it feel like we're out at a fancy restaurant. And with the wine, it it pairs so perfectly it really makes date night a night. And honestly, so we've eaten there several times. It's so consistent. It is so amazing. Anytime I get, like we had the lasagna with like the short, what the beef braised, braised beef ragu or whatever. If you get anything with their ragu or braised beef, you will be in You like, can't go wrong though. Heaven. Everything, it's like a brand where everything is so consistent. Oh my God. And the burrata, you can, so you can get burrata from them. That's a cheese. Yeah. So you get the burrata and you know, it's got some oil on it or whatever. And then they give you a, what's the, what's the bread that you get with it? They oh. give you like essentially like your own loaf of, I don't know, like a puffy, yummy bread with prosciutto like draped around it, like a blanket. And yeah. it's freaking phenomenal it's so phenomenal and last time we had a really good place too what was that place called matt our friend owns it oh my gosh berkeley north berkeley north started out as like a pescatarian restaurant no wait i don't i don't even think it was pescatarian i think it started out as just vegetarian and then became pescatarian but now they offer meat dishes too phenomenal meal the pasta was great the it had burrata your 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 beef no i had ribs well yeah yeah oh yeah those are pork ribs i guess yeah but freaking great 
but it was habanero ribs and it obviously it paired terribly with the bubble uh, we had champagne <laughs> which it doesn't mix well with, like because it's too bubbly and it can like burn your tongue but that aside the ribs were amazing and i would order those 10 nights out of 10. oh and that so the okay me too and then if you're getting berkeley north suggest the fresh cheese as an appetizer it's amazing Ooh, that was good as well as the lamb spring rolls Yes, lamb How spring rolls were good. How amazing were those? Yeah, I they were they were great. However, I don't know if I would order them again. Oh, I would order them again, but I I would eat them if you did. I'd get the fresh cheese every single time we order from yep. there, as well as the chocolate tart for dessert. That was yeah, that was so great. delicious. That was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Same. So yeah, so lots of hits for day night meals. Like Hamilton is just killing it. It's with bumping restaurants. right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question: How do you keep your teeth so white? Coffee and red wine do a number on mine. Uh... Yeah. Is she talking to me here? I don't know. Either one of us, I guess. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> you know she's not talking to me. So, but Shane, your your teeth aren't like they're not yellow. Like they're just not. They're I'm, not. I'm blushing, Alex. Brilliant. Thank you. Your teeth, they ain't black. <laughs> like, are you trying to compliment me there? No, I'm. I'm saying your teeth are fine. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing discolored or weird about your teeth. Okay, continue. You answer the question. <laughs> okay. I'm, like, humiliated and insulted right now. Okay. Yeah. About once every two years, I do the Crest White Strips. I, like, buy the $54 ones, and I do it. It's, like, every day for a half hour for, what, I think they give you 14 days worth of strips. And I, I only end up doing, like, 10, and then I maybe save the other four for, like, the coming months just to, you know, keep the color. But so use white strips once every two years? That's the advice? Yeah, so I use white strips once every two years, and then I, well, all the toothpaste we buy is, like, not just the cavity-killing ones, but it's, like, the brilliant white smile. It's always Crest. Like, mm -hmm. we do well with Crest toothpaste, Is I it think. possible you just have good genes and there's no advice you could possibly give that would ever affect anyone? I think Crest white strips help a ton, babe. Okay. Yeah. I was okay. just asking a How question. about you? So I bought you teeth whitening because you were complaining about that. So I bought you teeth whitening strips for Christmas. Have you used them? Well, I try. I started to use it the one time. Yeah. And then I looked it up on YouTube how to use it. Then, no, no. So what happened is I followed the instruction on the, on the package. It felt weird on my teeth. Then I looked it up on YouTube and it said the instructions are wrong on the package they give you and you got to follow the YouTube one. So I was like, uh-oh. And then I, it just turned me off a little bit because... It does take like half an hour out of your day to do, mm -hmm. but I still want to use it. If I ever find half an hour in a day to, that's free, I want to use it. And no. I appreciate that gift. No problem. And I'm no going problem. to use it. I'm going to use it. Well, you should use them in the evenings when we're watching TV or something. Okay. Maybe I'll do it right after this. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, because I'm excited to hear how that one is and you can give a review. Like we can do before and after photos and you can give an honest review next time. Okay. This one's interesting. If your name was your mood plus the last thing you ate... What would your name be? Let me think of the last thing I ate. So mine would be Happy Brownie. Chill Brownie. Chill Brownie. See, I like that we're still married in this weird game. We still have the same last name. We're still a team. Yeah, but, you know, tomorrow I'll be Anxious Brownie. And then, <laughs> you know, Angry Donut. Like, I <laughs> probably should clean my diet. Maybe that's affecting my mood. Oh, man, I've eaten so many sweets this week. Okay, moving on. Uh, what is your biggest regret? So I'll go first, and Shane, you can have a second to think about this. But I have two regrets that are equally big. So 
One <laughs> is that I didn't play basketball in university. Like I didn't try out and do any of that. And I always assumed I would. And I've seriously regretted it so much since. Like I really, really, truly wish that I did that. I think I would have had a better university experience. Like I loved it, but I think it would have been way more up my alley and suited to me. And I think that I just would have honestly been more myself Mm -hmm. for those years. Uh, That and then also, honestly, I I wish that I uh, like I regret maybe not treating the people that I dated as uh, as nice as I could have. And I think about that often in the sense that, yeah, you know, I don't think you could have cut it as a university player, though. I don't think you have it. I did at the time. No, I don't mean as I don't mean skill level. I think undeniably you have the skill. I just don't think you have the mentality and I don't think you would have enjoyed it. I think you're a type of like easygoing person. I think university basketball is taken too seriously for the way you would have wanted to have it. Like you wouldn't want to dedicate that much of your life to it and and rob yourself because you're a fun person and you had so much fun in university. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you were doing basketball, you would have ended up quitting anyway. So I wouldn't regret that too much. All right. And you're not also you're not a pressure person. You you don't like a lot of eyes on you when you're playing. I feel like that throws your game off. Yeah, when I when I played competitively, I didn't mind that at all. Really? Yeah, I was fine. I was fine. Um, oh, maybe I don't know you the way I think I do. No, it was honest. It's different when I'm playing like a sport, like actually not just like for fun, but if there's actual stakes. You know, when you're on a team, like you have stakes in in the game, even if you're not getting paid or whatever. So in that kind of I, I thrived defensively under pressure because I really wanted to show off and I really wanted to make steals and I wanted to, you know, make girls look foolish by, like, mm-hmm. the girls that, like, come up, the like, flashy point guards, like, doing their whatever moves and making threes. And I just wanted to embarrass them and just kill them and, like, make a steal, go in, you know, fast break layup or something. But were you a scorer? Could you score? Yeah. Yeah, oh, nice. I wouldn't a lot, though, because I just... I like that was like me. I was very. I prefer to shine on defense, and I, I could get down on myself easily if I missed a couple baskets. Then I'd get hesitant to shoot again. Although I would do layups off fast breaks because I I got those a few times a game. Okay, I think I'm projecting how I am onto you, thinking that you and I are like-minded people because I was a maniac defense. And that was something that my nerves never affected my defense. Mm-hmm. But if I stole the ball, I would actually be scared because <laughs> I would always miss wide open layups. <laughs> so I'd, I'd get so many fast breaks a game because my defense was so intense. And I'd miss every layup. Aww. So really, it's me who couldn't <laughs> cut university ball. Not that, you know, I, not that I would ever even be asked to try out. But sorry, your second thing. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. I like that conversation. Um, and here's the thing. <laughs> I would never have quit midseason, but maybe I would have quit after one year. And honestly, then I wouldn't have any regrets because I would have tried it. I would have given it my all. And then I could have partied and been social and whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So next regret is, yeah, just treating people in previous relationships nicer as in like, you know, not being... Cheaty. You did, Cheaty. You, infidelity has haunted yeah. you and you wish you didn't do that to people because you know how hurtful that can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are yours? Okay. Definitely taking money from my mom's purse. Like I am oh. the most honest, least likely to steal money. I would never steal from a cash register at work. Like I, I've worked with all sorts of people and a lot of them have stolen from the register and they've been 
perfectly nice people in every other facet of life. But to me, that's so immoral and something I would never do. Yet, somehow I could take a $20 bill from my mom's wallet. Like at what age? Like young. Like, you know, like I was at least, the oldest I was was probably 28. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. No, I was, you know, 11. What were you, what were you spending your money on? Like $20 bills as a 12-year-old? That's a lot, babe. Yeah, I don't know. Stupid stuff. And I'm humiliated and I feel terrible about it. And it feels like not me. It feels like someone else did that. And that's really the only time I stole, other than the time I stole a penny candy from Max Milk, which I got busted for. We talked about that on our last date night. But yeah, just... The fact that I don't steal and that I stole from my own mother, it does haunt me. And that, like, I can't believe that. <laughs> You're a bad boy. I am a bad boy. And maybe I felt like because maybe I only got a dollar a week for allowance. Maybe You I only f- got a dollar a week? Yeah. Well, then maybe you were a little justified in stealing there, babe. Yeah, for a lo- wait, for a long time I got a dollar a week. Then it got up to five a week. But I still felt like it was, like, low. See, five a week is like more fair. That's like, that's more fair. A dollar a week. I think that you were just rebelling against the man in, in that sense. And then taking that money. Cause a dollar a week, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. But too, my mom would like buy me everything I wanted. And did so. you have to do chores? Not really. No, I didn't have to do chores. My mom wouldn't even let me mow the lawn. Yeah. But a dollar a week's like an insult. Just don't give anything. I don't know. Like, yeah. But, okay, the other thing would be, yeah, obviously being uh, unfaithful, infidelity. I hate all that stuff. It's it's embarrassing to me. It's mm. a, it's just, it's, n- it's not nice. Yeah. Like, it's hard to be considered a nice person and do that. And, like, you know, when we first got together, you had people messaging you like, oh, Shane's, you know, yeah. not, not good in that way. And then I was talking to you, and you're like, oh, I wasn't good in that way either. So it really did make me relieved the fact that you had told me that about yourself because then you could see that I wasn't necessarily a bad person Mm -hmm. yeah no it's good and then honestly just like you know learning to have faith in each other and things like that and trust as you grow and just trying to kind of shed all the things that you regret and all of the the hang-ups you have about that kind of thing you know what I mean yeah so next question who is your dream podcast guest so at this point in time, for me, it's, it's Chrissy Teigen. And, sh- like, she's a mom. She is hilarious. I think she's had a very interesting and, you know, incredible career doing pretty fun stuff. And she's just, she's been through a lot. And I would love to chat with her just about mom stuff, honestly. And she's my dream guest just because I think she's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Chrissy Teigen's good. I was just going to say Shannon Sossman mm-hmm. is mine. She's a guest we had booked. And then a week before, she became unavailable. And I've been trying to get her ever since. So Shannon Sossman is someone I had a huge crush on growing up. I loved her career. She's a mom. Feels like a great guest. But for whatever reason, it never <laughs> happened. And I'm just banking on the fact that it would. Outside of the mother sphere, I would say Nathan Fielder's a guest I would like to interview. Yeah, no, that'd be very, very cool. What about dad guests? Who would be your dream dad guest? <sighs> dream dad guest. Oh, I'd like to get Owen Wilson on. I'm big, oh, big that Owen would be Wilson cool. Fan. That would be so fun for me. Yeah. Babe, that would be amazing. Yeah. Owen Wilson. I'm saying Owen Wilson too. Good. I think he'd be a great dad guest. All right, next question. How did you both get through the season of your miscarriage and how are you doing now? So we've talked quite a bit about this, um, especially when it was happening, but 
honestly, for me, I got through it by just, I talked it a, about it a lot. I think I talked about it a lot to people through my, through my account, through this family tree. And I'm very lucky to have access to a lot of people. So, you know, if I say I went through something, I have a lot of people reaching out and saying they went through something too. And for me, that was really wonderful. So I think from connecting with friends of mine that I know have had miscarriages from talking with Shane about it and just kind of grieving openly was really helpful to me. And what was also helpful and helped get me through, honestly, was getting pregnant again. And I don't know if that's like cool to say or not, but that really did help me. Uh, We got pregnant two weeks later. Yeah. Whether it's cool to say or not, it's the truth. And that's you know, on, honest to goodness, that's the way I looked at it. Like I rolled through the punches. It sucked the fact that how much it affected mm-hmm. you, like seeing the way it affected you really affected me. But to be honest, the miscarriage itself wasn't that life changing because I was just like, hey, we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the baby. And whether that baby is through adoption or a yeah. pregnancy And we had talked about the strong possibility that you could miscarry again. Mm -hmm. And that was something you were not willing to do in the sense that if you had another miscarriage, that was going to be your last pregnancy. Yeah, I did not want to get pregnant again. So we had a plan in place to adopt if the next pregnancy happened to be a miscarriage. And that safety net of knowing that we're going to have another child no matter what was very comforting yeah oh man that that was so comforting to me and just knowing we were on the same page with that and that me not getting pregnant again was cool with both of us and we were both happy to adopt and you know expand our family that way was that just made me feel so much better yeah uh and then how are we doing now great like i i think about it but i don't i don't feel like i've lost anything anymore because i look at what has come from it and it's hard to grieve something you don't have when I think well if I if that didn't happen then I wouldn't have Betty right now and I wouldn't have this like beautiful perfect little angel baby and it's it's hard not to be grateful in a weird way for the things that happen even the shitty things that happen because you know like destiny mindset destiny mindset I like that it's theme of the week yeah what else you got over there on that phone of yours your new 12 oh, Pro Plus. I got I got a new iPhone. I have the new iPhone for the first time in my life. I have like one of the coolest versions. So I have the iPhone 12 Pro. So there's only one above it, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And like I don't even get that, so I didn't want that one. But it's pretty sweet and I feel very cool. Apparently the 12 Pro Max is to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. So here's my research question, my babe. Uh-oh. It's interesting. I won't need to take melatonin tonight. <laughs> Divorce rates are high and more people are becoming polyamorous. And so am I. Sorry. I was, that was supposed to come in at divorce <laughs> rates are high. Not I'm not polyamorous. <laughs> I was trying to make like a weed joke. <laughs> so divorce rates are high and more people are becoming polyamorous. Is this the way of future relationships? So honestly, like I, I didn't know much about this. I don't know much about polyamory other than you know you're doing it with more than one person or just falling in love with multiple people you don't have to be doing it well you're having a relationship with them so polyamory is 
a relationship, like a sexual and emotional relationship with other, with multiple people. So I have a definition here, and this definition is from a sex positivity educator named Latif Taylor, and she said that polyamory is an ethically, honestly, and consensually driven relationship structure that allows us to engage in many loving relationships. The consent component is vital. That means that people in a polyamorous relationship should be totally aware of and agree to the relationship's dynamics, emotions, and needs from the outset and, again, every time the dynamic changes. So that means that every single time you i guess hook up with someone else or or thinking about hooking up with or bringing someone else into the relationship probably a better way to word it yeah but it's not just that like one person has a say it's like everything needs to be decided upon agreed upon by everybody in the relationship behind closed doors yeah nothing exactly and that is a huge component of it whereas i think with an open relationship you don't necessarily need to get it's permission like a don't ask time. don't tell well, yeah i guess that's open right and then polyamorous mm. you are very upfront about everything so right now i guess you know culture is kind of it's and it's still a subculture a very small subculture is going through a third wave of polyamory due to the internet like it's the most popular it's ever been and just because more people are now able to connect to kind of feel like this is the way for them but only 5% of people in the U.S. anyway live in polyamorous or not. It seems high to me. It seems high. I know. I know. It seems high. This study was only done. So if you're in a restaurant with 100 people, five of them are polyamorous? I doubt it. See, th- okay, this was a small study. It was done with only 1,300 people. But 5% of those, that 1,300 said that they lived in polyamorous relationships. Wow. So that's 60, 65 people? Yeah, I guess. That's, yes, that's weird. That's high, right? Mm-hmm. But the divorce rates... Prior to 2020. So we know that in 2020 and likely again in 2021, the divorce rates are quite high because of COVID and because of people being isolated together that are not used to seeing each other. But Shane, prior to 2020, so in 2019, give me a guess. Canada and the U.S. actually have basically the same divorce rate. What do you think it was? 50. No. So there was... 49. No, it was was a 50-year low. So it was the lowest it's been in 50 years. 38% 38% in Canada, 39% in the States. Okay. Like super low. That's way lower than I thought. I thought it was 52. Uh, obviously heightened during COVID. But, you know, I don't think that we're moving towards a polyamorous society. Like yeah, no weird shit. futuristic society. You <laughs> I know, don't think, I think anyone does. No, like I think, well, that's what the question was. Do you think we're moving towards this? No, I don't. Maybe it's becoming more popular with certain groups of people that don't see themselves in monogamous relationships. And that's great. Could I ever do it? Would I? I wouldn't because I couldn't handle it. Like, I would not be able to handle it. I would internally combust. And I might, like, do what? Double murder homicide type thing. Wait, no. Double murder suicide type thing. And, like, everybody's just wiped out because I can't deal with everything. The jealousy, the emotional needs of multiple people. It's enough, honestly, right? With one spouse. Like, how could you handle in your life, Shane, another person's emotional and physical needs like well it depends how hot the babes are i'm gonna kill you what and then you're gonna have another person saying they're gonna kill you for saying the same thing all these women are really invested in my uh, <laughs> my life i'm really flattered how much these women care i know i'm mur- i'm being murdered in this scenario but still something about that really uh strokes my ego <laughs> All right. So our final question for the night. Uh, Did Shane pick your engagement ring and what would you do if you didn't like it? So Shane didn't pick my 
engagement ring. We both picked our own rings. We got engaged in a conversation. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I already know what ring I want. So we got our rings, like my engagement ring and both of our wedding bands from Misa Jewelry. She is a woman. I think she's from Hawaii. I think now she lives in LA. She just hand makes everything and it is so beautiful. And it's all like inspired by, you know, like oceans. um, And very affordable. It's babe. She raised her prices. She did? Your ring that you got for your wedding is now like three thousand dollars oh wow it was like 300 when you got it no i don't think it was 300 it wasn't 300 no no, no it, it was like a thousand it was like it was like 1400 no no I, I i promise you it was i promise you it wasn't your ring alone so your ring and my your wedding band and my wedding band together were like 1400 we ordered the cheapest wedding band for you oh right without diamonds in it so they were like what and they just ended up giving you the the wedding band with diamonds in it because yeah, they couldn't like, believe anyone would actually be that cheap. Well, it was just the wedding band because my my engagement ring has it's got one. Okay, so my engagement ring is very cool. I'm going to describe it. So it's called the Cove ring. She actually doesn't have this anymore on her website. She has versions of it, but not this exact one. So it's a ring with like I don't know, like hand pressed gold. So it looks very rough. It's very cool, and then it has a diamond slice. In the center so it's not like the hunk of diamond and it's untreated diamond so when you look at it it is like you see all the kind of the layers of it and just like the naturalness of it and it's really beautiful and then it's got kind of like little pave diamonds I guess above and at the bottom of it so I was like okay this is enough diamonds and like sparkle for one ring I just want the plain gold band but they gave me the band with like I don't know it's got like 10 little diamonds on it it's amazing yeah, for free because they were so, uh, I guess, embarrassed of. Is that uh, what it was? <laughs> I think so. I, I think they were like, "Oh, we only put this without diamonds as like a joke, so no <laughs> one's ever ordered that before. So we actually don't even have it. So here's the one with diamonds for free, and have a great wedding." The woman was very nice to do she that. She was very nice. But you have gotten comments on the wedding ring, and several of them have been, "I can't believe how small your wedding ring is." Get out of here! One person said that in, in my family, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but let's face it, I'm not getting too many compliments from uh, that side of the fam. Why not? I don't know. I'm getting most comments like that. Really? Or That's... like, you know, you look tired, Alex, or nice wedding ring, stuff like that. But old people always <laughs> say you look tired. <laughs> and you've been told you look tired from several <laughs> sides of the family. And well, I'm older... glad everybody thinks I look tired. No, it's just older people don't know. <sighs> I, I, I get told I look tired, too, from older people because they don't know how insulting that is. How don't they, though? It's like, what if I said, it's just a, you it's look a, it's tired, a, old person? It's a generational thing. It's just they don't know. They think they're being Kind? Nice. Yeah, yeah, they think they're like, oh, Compassionate. You, you need a break. But really, it's like, I look like shit right now. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> F you. <laughs> I thought it my concealer works. Any more questions? No, baby, that is it. Well, what a great outdoor episode. And we hope that you also go to the comments, go to the rating section, and give us a five-star rating. Give us a nice little comment. We totally appreciate them more than you know. And it does help keep us in the algorithm. And once we're in that algorithm, it makes celebs and guests you want to hear say, hey, I want to do this podcast. So the podcast actually ends up being better. And I'm going to read our last comment we received. It says, 
Great for car naps with baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've been loving listening to this family tree while driving around with my two-month-old. This is baby number two for me, and she loves me to be on the move. But with nowhere to go due to COVID and living in Ontario, I've resorted to taking her on long drives and have enjoyed getting caught up on my favorite podcasts. I actually just recently switched off of a goop mid-podcast to listen to your new release because it was so much more real. Thanks for keeping it real, guys. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. And please, listeners, like, not only that, but hit us up for questions. Every Saturday we ask for questions for the Q&A segment. If you listen to this podcast every week, and we obviously know a ton of you do... Let me know if you have any topic you want us to talk about because we really, we really do love that segment and I do think that it helps kind of everybody get to know each other. Longest sign off ever. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 84. <laughs>